Morning. Oh, God, I'm so bored with Cara Delevingne, this naff old model. Every time you open up the pair, there she is. The same, obviously, with the same agent as that other dreary one, Agnes Dane, who worked in the chip shop. Every time you open up the pair, here she is. Wouldn't you like eyebrows like hers? No, I wish she'd bog off somewhere else, ladies and gentlemen. Like the end of Land's End would be quite nice. What a boring old so-and-so. Oh, blimey. Anyway, yesterday went well, didn't it? It was lovely to see the crowds out on the street, ten deep down the Strand. Ten deep. Even I, I mean, that exceeded everybody's expectations yesterday. thought the coverage was brilliant. I thought it was dignified. I thought it was good. I mean, it doesn't matter, as I've said before a million times, whether you liked it or you didn't like it. It was still a funeral, and we do good funeral. In this country, we do good funeral. We can do it with the best of them. In fact, we do it better than anybody. You know, with the bands and uh, and people applauding. It was vaguely reminiscent, as far as I was concerned, of Princess Diana's funeral. Quite clearly not the same person. Let's not be stupid about it. Just in case any ignoramuses listening who've got no idea which end of the uh, the microphone they're speaking into. But, you know, you do worry about the people who are demonstrating. I did see them yesterday. They're Maggie, Maggie, Maggie. Dead, dead, dead. As Duncan quite rightly said, I mean, you know, stupidity you can't really help with some people. It's nice to see middle-class Trotsius out there, isn't it, really? I suppose, you know, and then wandering back to their jobs in the bank. But uh, luckily they were drowned out by the crowd. They didn't have any impact at all. There were no arrests. Everybody was very happy. It was a, a fitting tribute at the end. I did think they looked as though they were under some terrible strain, the uh, the pallbearers, when they were coming out. Of St Paul. And somebody pointed out to me yesterday, they said, oh, the um, the Chelsea pensioners, did they look good in their black outfits? I said they were wearing red. And a friend of mine said, but when they were doing the rehearsal, they were wearing black. I said, perhaps that's their day wear. Perhaps they have sort of different outfits, but they were definitely wearing red at the end when the coffin came out. Whether or not it was different at the beginning, I've got no idea. But for the rehearsal, they were wearing these black coats. Perhaps somebody decided that nobody would know who they were. And so they wore the red. But, I mean, the, even when I left here yesterday morning... And in the end, I had to go down to Embankment Tube and had to get on the Bakerloo line because somebody very unwisely had thrown themselves in front of a train on the central line. So I put that out. Thank you so much. And so it happens on a regular basis now. You feel sorry for these tube drivers. If anybody should get compensation for, you know, for some barking mad person who throws himself in front of a tube. I know tube drivers dread it when they come into a station. So now they come in a lot slower. You know, really, well, I'll throw yourself in front of I mean, they do it. So, if, I mean, it inconveniences people. But I, I got the Bakerloo line. Once I've mar- haven't quite mastered the, the Bakerloo line or any of the, the tube lines, you'd think after working for a lifetime in the capital, I would be well-versed with buses. But there's people here who have been five minutes, and they can tell me the buses. I've got no idea. No idea. But yesterday I did like, and then, because I had to, um, had to take the car in yesterday, because I, um, a little sensor on the side of the coolant had gone again. And so we whisked that in, and I should go and collect it again this morning. So they've given me this other car. Well, I don't, I don't like to tell you what it is, because to be honest with you, I'm a little, I'm a little bit embarrassed in case I'm seen driving it. It's a what? No, not the same sort of car as mine. No, I mean, otherwise I'd be more than happy to be seen driving around. But uh, no, they, they never give you that. It's like if, if, if you take your Lamborghini and they don't give you another Lamborghini to drive around in. Sadly, you'll probably end up with a Cinquecento or something particularly stupid and embarrassing. And I've got the embarrassing car. I'm afraid this morning. It's an automatic. But the sooner it goes back, the better, and the sooner I can pick my car up. Because I was going to Costco the other day. Might as well tell you the story. I was going to Costco to go and pick up some cases of Pinot Grigio. Because the Canaletto works out about £4.30 in Costco. £7 blasted 70 in Waitrose. Shows how much profit they're making, doesn't it, really? You know, even they do a special offer and they bring it down a bit. It's never as cheap as I can buy elsewhere. So I was going to go down there. I put some petrol. Luckily, I put some petrol in. 
Because all of a sudden, as I come back to the car, there's a drip, drip I see underneath. Oh, I know what it is, because luckily I'm well-versed with the car now. And as a, a friend of mine said, he said, you know, if you've got a high-performance car, you do spend a lot of time looking after it and making... I mean, I don't, I don't tinker about under the bonnet. I've got no idea what goes on under there, but I know the signs. You know, when engine coolant comes on, I know that the electric sensor on the side has sprung a little bit of a leak. You know, you've got to put them in and they seal them. And it should be all fine, but they do go occasionally. So this is this is the second one I've had. I think the engine gets so hot, but we, we've cured that problem. We've found out what that is now, so I've sorted that out and everything else. So I immediately whisked it into the garage, which was great. I like The moment I've taken it in there, I feel so much better, because they know what they're doing. Steve, who looks after the car, he'll sort of say to me, he'll say, and I, I was, was going through the car yesterday, so what's that? He'd say, right, that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so, that's so-and-so. And so now I'm well, um, well aware of what things are, like these are doors and this is the steering wheel. But I did find out the other day, they thought I was mad. I've had this car for two years, and, and I, was, I was dusting the back. I don't know why. I was just dusting the back. And I discovered two little switches. And they were little chrome switches in the centre console, sort of halfway down. And I looked at it, I thought, well, the dick is it? And I, I, I flicked one of them down, and the back seat moved. I didn't know the back seats moved. I've been sitting there thinking that they, they were completely immobile for all these years. And I said to him yesterday, I said, Peter, I said, I've just flicked, and the seat moved. He said, you've only just discovered. I said, yeah. Literally yesterday, I've had it two years, and I push this thing, and the back seat moves out. It's to make it more, more, it's all sort of comfy if you want to have a little snooze or something in the back. So, uh, so that was that. So I've done that yesterday. Today, what am I doing today? Oh, yeah, today I'm going to go and collect the car. Um, and I was going to go out for coffee with my friend Lynn, but she, she's going shopping with her mother. I'm convinced she's won the lottery and she just hasn't told me because, I mean, she's, she's retired, but she's not old enough to retire, if you get my drift. And I phoned her last night at about 11 o'clock, so I woke up uh, early. And I phoned her and she, she was cooking tea at 11 o'clock at night. You know, like, I have mine at four o'clock in the afternoon because that's the way my life is. And yesterday it was very nice. We had chicken with uh, winter vegetables. I call them winter vegetables because it's got Swede and leek in it. I think it's a winter vegetable. And so I had that, and that was very nice indeed, with a, with a mushroom sauce. Mushroom sauce, which is very nice indeed. And so I did my tip. But at 11 o'clock at night, she's cooking. And I thought, God, I, mean, I couldn't... I, blimey, imagine doing things like that, cooking at 11 at night. So anyway, so this morning I should pick up the car. I should be very, very happy. And, and I shall sort of trundle through. But on my way to go and uh, drop the car off yesterday uh, and come back, and then I had to go and drop something at my accountant's, uh, you remember the, the saga over the, the passwords on the first direct account, and I managed to find the passwords, well, half of them. I've got no idea what the other ones are at all. When they asked me my favourite address, I mean, it could be Timbuktu, I've got no idea. So, and I go past Mortlake Crematorium. And that's where they cremated... Margaret Thatcher, yesterday. And there were police all over the place. They were on the gates. So, woe betide, presumably, they must have known about this. And so I don't think there were any other cremations yesterday. Well, if there were, they did from the other entrance. Because on this entrance, there were two police vans. I saw at least 50 police officers inside. And then there were those walking through the cemetery, two on the bridge as well, to make sure that nobody wandered down and disrupted it that way, because it was a private thing. But I wonder if you'd said to them, listen, I'm, I'm coming to visit a relative who we buried the other day in the cemetery whether or not they would have refused me entry. I have a sneaking feeling they probably would have done. Which, to be honest with you, would have actually really hacked me off a bit, because if I'd been going there to pay my respects to, you know, and not known about the fact that that's where they were going to be cremating Margaret Thatcher. You know, but I'm, I'm assu- I think there were notices on the gates. What they said, I've got no idea. Presumably bog off, we're, we're cremating the old woman, and uh, it'll be out of action for a little while. So, uh, but, but the rest of it, 
when I left here yesterday morning, the barriers were up. I've never seen so many police walking down the Strand. It was like a convention. It was like a huge convention. Short, tall. A lot of the policewomen carrying a lot of weight. There's a lot of overweight policewomen out there. I mean, the blokes, it didn't seem to, to make a difference to. But there were some women who were... They, they looked a bit like... American cops, you know, American cops have these really tight uniforms and it shows every bulge and every every sort of bit of your body that you don't really want to show people. And there were some women walking down the strand in their police uniforms. And I thought, they don't look like they've actually got the ability to chase after anybody. They didn't, perhaps, they, perhaps they were just bobbies on the beat. Perhaps they put them on the beat to make them lose the weight. Perhaps that's the way it works, I suppose. But they were all there and then the barriers went up. And there were even people who were waiting at that time of the morning. This is ten past seven. Ten past seven. And there were people standing there. And so by the time it actually got to it, I, I got back and I was listening to the radio and watching the television. And it was amazing. Ten deep. Ten deep. And the applause. So it only goes to prove, as I say, the majority of people in this country, irrespective of the other people who we have to go, you know, we have to sort of let you have your little say. You know, the majority of people in this country, thankfully, won hands down. They drowned out a few little dissenters. Oh, muggy, 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 dead, dead, dead. And holding up their little signs, very badly written. Most of them misspelt, of course, which was a little bit sad. And you watched it and you think, no, you won't see the like of this again. You will not see And that's why the photos are on the front of all the papers today. Uh, the Sun, R.I.P. Mrs. T. The Daily Mirror. Have got uh, the Queen and Prince Philip paying their last respects at Margaret Thatcher. Margaret Thatcher's funeral. Cheers and jeers were heard as the cortege travelled to St Paul's Cathedral. Uh, but of course, I mean, lucky old mirror. They've managed to fill it all up a bit, and they've got a picture. I thought it was quite funny actually watching Tony Blair saying thank you to people as they were leaving. It's because I was watching some woman. Oh, th- this was the woman with pink hair. That's right. I've just remembered Duncan. I've just remembered. What were you complaining about? The fact this is costing us ten million pounds. No mention of whether or not she should be jeering Tony Blair for sort of, you know, taking us into war in Iraq, for looking for weapons of mass destruction that never existed. And the millions and millions of pounds that was wasted there, but of course that would have been far too intelligent for this poor creature. Uh, Carol Thatcher was weeping at the cremation. They were all there. They were all there. Joan Collins looking a million dollars. Jeremy Clarkson. Catherine Jenkins. And uh, George Osborne moved to tears. Lots of people moved. I was quite moved to tears. Not because it was Margaret Thatcher. It's just that I cry at funerals anyway, I'm afraid. I'm a bit of a wuss. I have, a, you know, a little tear. And also, I thought, if that had been my mum, because you you try and equate it to yourself, don't you? You think, I'd be quite proud that people stood there and clapped. You know, we, when my mum went and we had, a, we had a cremation, we had a full, a full little church thing. And I've been to a few recently where they only get a handful of people. My mum got a load of people. I was quite pleased. I thought she'd have been really pleased by this. If, of course, you believe in anything, she'd have been sitting there watching, going, so-and-so never turned up. She'd be keeping a tally, my mum, she would be. At quarter past four this morning, we have another gadget giveaway. I shall tell you uh, in about ten minutes' time who yesterday's winner was. Well, he knows. He know- I got it wrong again yesterday. I didn't know the answer to blasted question. I'm not sure I shall know the answer to today's. Have a quick look, actually. Oh, I know today's. I know today's. But what is it that we are offering you? I'll let you know very, very shortly. Quick time check. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It is very early breakfast, but if you're just tucking into it, just make mine fried bread, some beans, please, some eggs. Mustn't mention too much food. The producer's a little bit queasy. Uh, some greasy sausages and, uh, and a piece of bacon. Makes her feel very awful now. But a piece of fried bread would not go amiss. So if you're having breakfast, great. If you're still lying in bed, you're hungry now, aren't you? I knew you would be. LBC 97.3. 
Conversation with Steve Allen. Quarter past four, Nick Ferrari, the day after Thatcher's funeral. Nick will be asking, is it acceptable that a London MP has dismissed the event as a waste of money and a party political event? Plus another unmissable edition of Call Clegg. <gasps> Don't want to miss it today. It's going to be very interesting. Plus, as your child got into their first choice of primary school, Kit Malthouse, we're looking at the papers with Nick Ferrari this morning. It's Diane Abbott that's called the Thatcher funeral a party political event. This is the attention-seeking Diane Abbott. I mean, nobody bothers with her anymore, do they? Can't believe it. I mean, of course it's, you know, to actually call it a party political event, you're burying the longest-serving Prime Minister. Of course it's going to be a political event. You sometimes wonder about the intelligence of our MPs, don't you, and some of the claptrap that they come up with. And uh, poor old Diane Abbott. I always remember, of course, Diane Abbott. So against private schools, ladies and gentlemen, that's something for the bourgeoisie. That's for the people. And, of course, it turns out she was sending her own son to a private school because he phoned LBC. Made her look very silly, I'm afraid, and this just makes her look silly. And did anybody mention that we missed Sally Burko? No, because we didn't. Nobody cared about dreary old Sally. She, I bet she sat at home watching it, though. Oh, I bet she did. She's like that kind of thing. Anyway, I, pit, I pitched up on the television yesterday, and I was sort of flipping through the channels, and on comes the dreary, loose women. I mean, God, it's dire. It really is dire now. You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's bits of it are OK, but they don't really know what they're talking about. You've got a weather girl who's sort of fronting the programme, which is a bit dire. And yesterday, they, they had this woman on with a beehive, who's on Simon Cowell's food programme, which is dying on its proverbial. And so she pitched it's a little dumpy thing, obviously in an effort to make herself look a bit more interesting. She's gone for the beehive, because otherwise that she's just another, another little sh- short, fat, no, sorry, little short, fat northerner who pitched up on the television on a programme that's really not doing the business. So on she comes... And I thought, oh, this is boring. I knew what it was straight away. They, they, they showed a clip of it, and there she is with this wonky old beehive on her head. So I thought, there must be something else on the television, like the test card. So I push the button, flick onto Channel 4, where there's this other dreary cookery programme presented by Benjamin Shepherd and some woman called Lisa Faulkner, who's so bad at presenting. I mean, well, there is a worse presenter. I found a worse presenter on television for you. You have to watch somebody who is so bad, it's laughable. And anyway... And our special guest today, and on comes the little short, fat woman from up north with the beehive. I'm thinking, what, she's on two different programmes on two different channels? Don't tell me there's two of her, for God's sake. No, it turns out that one of these programmes is recorded. Now, which one is it? Was Loose Women recorded? I know one of them is. I know one of them is. It's a bit like watching Lorraine, isn't it? Lorraine. One of her programmes is pre-rec because she can't be bothered to do the whole week. But, but interestingly enough, this I'm sure it's the same one with the beehive, unless there's two women with beehives doing the round, but to actually have them on this programme. So I'm assuming that little Benjamin Shepherd's programme could be pre-recorded. Either way, one of them is, because there's no way that she could be in two places at the same time. Very interesting, though, isn't it? You, sit, you think, that's bad programming. Very bad programme. But, I mean, any interview on Loose Women, it's a, bit, it's a bit pants, I'm afraid. It's even worse over on the other side. Although I knew the chef. I knew Jonathan the chef because he'd cooked for us the other week. Very, very camp, but very, very good and very funny after, after a few drinks. If I actually didn't have any drink, it was very good. 84850, uh, Guy says, you're right, it was a nice tribute to Lady Thatcher. Everything was nice, the service... Yeah, I thought we did it very well. When you consider, you know, they didn't have a ton of time to put it together. Londoners turned out, you know why? Because we're patriotic. I wasn't interested in those who booed. I just thought they were a bit girly.
Yeah, boo, boo. She's dead. Who do you think is going to be hearing it? Answer, nobody, because they were drowned out by everybody else going, yeah, and clapping and, and doing all the bit that we did for, for Diana. And that was a funeral. That was a funeral. You had to be there to appreciate. We got the order of service in at LBC, and I remember sitting down with a friend of mine, and we sat there, and we made sure we got everything. Food, wine, tea, chocolate, everything, and the order of service. And we followed it all the way through. And then at the end, with all the flowers on the car and people clapping, oh, God, it was amazing. And it was like that for Margaret Thatcher. Whether you liked her or didn't like her, it made no difference. It was a funeral. It was somebody's funeral. You know, there were people there for whom that was their mother. Whether you believed, you know, in her or you didn't believe in her, it was somebody's funeral. And shame, shame on those sad, lonely little people who who, who forever think, you know, that we've got to be against Margaret Thatcher. And you think to yourself, you need to grow up and get a life, actually. And then they go, of course, you know, it's completely different the other side of the Watford Gap, as they go to the Easington Colliery, which was closed down. I wasn't sure if it was closed down by Margaret Thatcher or Harold Wilson closed that one down. I can't remember. There were certainly a number of these uh, places closed down because nobody was using coal anymore. You know, very, very few. You can count them on one hand. You don't see a coal man anymore. You might better go to a garage and buy a little sack of it probably nowadays, but that's about as far as it goes. Other stories in the papers for today. There's the story of a brute. Uh, his name is Glenn Megison. I hope you're listening in, in Nick, guys, because this is a, a bully. He's 22, and he tormented a disabled schoolboy for weeks. Now, you know my opinion of people who bully people who can't defend themselves. You know, if it's somebody... I mean, he, he actually... This, this, this boy he bullied had learning difficulties. He was made to strip off his clothes, hung from nails, locked in a cupboard, and told to perform sex acts with a dog. And this pathetic little waste of space, Glenn Megason, uh, appealed to the judge in court and said, don't, don't jail me because I think I'll be bullied. Oh, darling. I, I so hope you are. I really so hope you are in prison. Megason's lawyer, Nick Cartmel, described the case as hijinks gone too far. Oh, God, I hope it happens to a member of your family, Mr Cartmel. I don't know where you're coming from, dear. But in, in my book, you, dis- you, you sort of start messing around with disabled kids and start tormenting them. And it's a hijinks that went too far. I hope your client is uh, thoroughly serviced, let's shall we call it, in, in prison, as I'm sure he will be. And he's been jailed for 16 months. His co-accused was given a referral, a 16-year-old boy. Oh, they're so looking forward to you, Glenn, as you've probably discovered already in prison. Hello, sweetheart. What's your name? It's Glenn. I know, dear. We all know your name. Everybody in here knows your name. Uh, Here's poor old Sharon Osborne, embittered. Apparently, she said to Ozzy, whether you believe this or not, you know, either quit boozing or the marriage is over. But I thought we told you yesterday that he said he's not touched a drop for 44 days. And as I pointed out, nobody's interested in this chronically naff family. You know, they've all been in rehab, let's face it, apart from the normal daughter. And of course, far be it from me to be the cynic and tell you that Black Sabbath are about to start a tour of Australia and they've got a new album out after 31 years. That's why, ladies and gentlemen, you've got this pathetically stupid... Nobody cares what, you know, Ozzy Osbourne shoves in his body. I couldn't care. As I say... He could go and smoke every drug under the sun. I couldn't care less. But at least admit when it's a piece of cheap publicity. It's like the front page of, where is it, the Daily Star today. The Daily Star. Far bit again for me to be cynical. I don't like being cynical. I do, I do. 
I really do. And here it is, telly babe Amy Child. She's not been on the telly for ages. Nobody books Amy Childs anymore. She's too stupid. But she's going to be running the London Marathon in memory of the Boston bomb massacre victims, together with a load of other celebrities. And to be honest with you, I don't know whether or not you can help me out on this one. Celebrities and athletes, OK? Tell me who these people are, because I'm, I'm, not, I'm not familiar. Amanda Mealing. Who's Amanda Mealing? Does anybody know who Amanda Mealing is? Nope, nobody. Kelly Sotherton. Must be an athlete or something. Ewan Thomas. Ewan Thomas. Who's he? What does he do when he's at home? Oh, nobody knows him. Amy Childs. Blimey. Andrew Strauss. We think he's an athlete. James Cricket. All right. James Toastland. Who's he? No idea. And Mike Bushell. Who's he? I don't know who any of these people are, and Amy's going to be running. Well, apparently she's not. According to this, she appears to be running for the British Heart Foundation, loads of other people. So, obviously, this is a new one she's tacked on to it. It's all very exciting, but it's just just shameless publicity, isn't it? It's like celebrities attach themselves to things nowadays just so they can get publicity on it. I mean, I do find it a little... Perhaps I'm too cynical. Perhaps I'm too cynical. Oh, look! Danielle Westbrook. Drunk. Apparently, and, um... <laughs> Danielle Westbrook looks the worst for wear after a wild night out. Where did she go? G-A-Y. Uh, for those of you who can't spell, it's a gay nightclub, OK? How she'd be having a wild night out in a gay nightclub is totally beyond me. But anyway, last night her agent, Terry Mills, said... <laughs> wait for this. I love this quote. It's so funny. Danielle's had a very busy day in meeting to discuss her new book and the renewal of her wedding vows. Oh, must be so stressful for you, Danielle. So stressful. We went for a few drinks and Danielle left at around 10pm as she was tired. <laughs> Looks a little bit more than tired here. I mean, she's so old now. I mean, frankly, she'd been put out to pasture. Anyway, she started drinking again last year after a four-month split from her husband, Kevin Jenkins. Uh, she now appears in Hollyoaks. Oh, I discovered the worst presenter on the television the other day. The worst presenter on the television. The real worst presenter. I mean, she is so bad, it's embarrassing. It's a programme on Channel 4, I think it is. And it's where a woman tells you how to save money. They call her Mrs Moneypenny. She can't, she can't present for a toffee. She is so bad. You seriously... Had to, I had to look round the back of the television thinking somebody had climbed in and it was a joke. And we'll be back next week, goes this old Harridan, you know, to, to give more, more... She can't... She's got no, no personality on the television. Zilch. They've obviously come up with this woman who they go, can help save you a bit of money. And frankly, it's so bad. It's so bad, this... Pro it's, it's the biggest pile of rubbish you've ever seen. And this woman is the worst presenter. I mean, I sat there cringing, thinking, get me, get me somebody's agent. Get me some... This woman is so bad. So bad. I'm going to, um... I'm going to do it now, actually. I'm going to do you the gadget giveaway now. You know why? Because I'm in that kind of mood this morning. I f I'm feeling that I need to be nice. I'm feeling I need to be nice to people today because I woke up this morning after I'd sort of woken up too early, then I dozed off again. And I thought to myself, do you know, Steve, today is your day of being nice. And then I got into the office and I thought, nah, sodded. I can't really be bothered, actually. What's the point of being... Listen, you don't get an audience through being nice. You really don't. You, you, you get an audience through telling the truth. So everybody would agree. I mean, so far, we've only told the truth. Danielle Westbrook is washed up. You know, she's got a naff book out, which she's trying to flog. So any pictures of her in the paper. Amy Charles is an attention seeker. 
Mrs Moneypenny is a chronically bad presenter, and the funeral yesterday was brilliant. It was good. It was very, very well done. Everybody did it very well. Everybody turned out the crowd. Ten, fifteen deep in some parts of Fleet Street. Fifteen deep. And they clapped and they were respectful, which you should have been. It's somebody who's dead. You know, somebody's standing there booing. I mean, who gives... Nobody gives a forex about them. So I thought to myself, no, be nice. And then I came in and I looked at the prize for the gadget giveaway and I thought, I don't want to give that away. I really don't want... I'm, I don't... I think that's spoiling you. I think sometimes we can be too generous, ladies and gentlemen. And I think that, you know, if I give this prize away today, it will mean that I'm being too generous. And I thought, no, be nice. Because occasionally you get somebody writing in who quite clearly is, you know, in a home or in prison or something like that, going, have you got anything nice to say about anybody? And the answer is no. (laughs) I haven't at all. I don't like anybody. It works brilliantly, I promise you. It makes you... It gets the blood coursing through my veins. You know, I, you know I, I get more fired up over things nowadays. I can get angry about benefit fraudsters. I get angry about, you know, a 22-year-old with a baby face who thinks he's going to be bullied in prison because he bullied, to the point of distraction, a disabled child, a disabled person. And as far as I'm concerned, they can do what they liked you in prison. I really don't care. And the judge thought the same as well. The judge thought the same. It was like, do you remember the other day we had that poor girl from Girls Aloud, little um, Sarah somebody, anyway, that's showbiz, and uh, and she said, oh, she couldn't be banned from driving. She was too famous to get the bus. Perhaps you could work on it as a clippy, dear. 4.30 is the time. The producer just said to me, I've just taken my tights off. Why would you want to tell me things like that? I'm trying to do a programme here, talking about Margaret Thatcher's funeral, and she's going, I've just taken my tights off, I've got a heat issue. Oh, God help us, I hope it doesn't get hotter. Could be a nightmare. I mean, all sorts of... I mean, you know, there are certain people you want to take clothes off and certain people you don't. I'll rest my case. Anyway, anyway, for the uh, the gadget giveaway for... T- oh, quickly, uh, the Chelsea Pensioners, the black is there every day where red is for ceremonial use. Uh, Terence says the disgusting behaviour by left-wing yobs and mindless protesters have done no favours for the Labour Party. No, I mean, to be honest with you, there were so few of them, it was almost embarrassing. I felt a bit sorry for them that they were so outnumbered. Perhaps they thought there'd be nobody there and their little protest would be heard. But, of course, it wasn't. It was only, you know, the television cameras that that covered them and put a few people on there. But it it was the interesting part of interviewing this woman with the pink hair clutching a char. I never liked Margaret Thatcher. I'm going to turn my back on the cortege. Well, you do it, pop it. You know, they're a little bit... uh, They're not really educated enough. And why? Because it's costing 10 million. This is costing us 10 million. Yeah, well, you know, do you not... I mean, it's only through mindless acts of people like... you. Imagine if we didn't have any police there at all and they just took the cortege down the street, what people would be trying to do. They're so mentally ill, some of these people. God knows what they would be capable of. So that's why we have to have it, was for people like this woman with the with the pink hair. And as all I'm saying is, do you not think the Labour Party have ever wasted money? What about Tony Blair? What about any of them, actually? Did they do anything after the minor strike? No, they didn't. But, of course, never let that spoil a good old protest as she stood there with her child clutched to her shoulder. Um, Mortlake was open for business all day. I was allowed in to place flowers, says Deborah. Uh, police are very easy going, but professional. Lady Thatcher's cremation was the last one of the day. Uh, um, <clears throat> uh, read the protesters. The question they should have been asked, when are you standing for election? Also, the security costs, the police were already employed. Exactly. I mean, there might have been police who'd come in yesterday on a... You know, the the £10 million isn't the actual cost of paying for police officers to stand there. They're all on duty anyway. They've just deployed them from somewhere else. Um, One here, Thatcher's hearse was ages parked at Chelsea Royal Hospital. Yes, because after the service, they went back to Chelsea Royal Hospital, unloaded her, 
and then they waited there, and then they went off later in the afternoon. You can't just leave us sitting in a hearse, can you, for goodness sake? doesn't matter who it is. So that's that's why. And then it, it became on. Uh, it became sort of uh, up there. Amanda Mealing is an actress. She was in Holby City. She played one of the doctors, says Alan. I've never even heard of her. Never even heard of her. Kelly Southern is a top athlete, forced out through injury, says Andrew. Amanda Mealing was in Holby City. Ewan Thomas was an athlete. Don't know the other, says Sue in Battersea. Ewan Thomas, ex-British athlete, now part presenter, Steve. Oh, aren't they all? Amanda is in Hertfordshire, said you're a joy to listen to. I know. I know. I can't deny it. I cannot deny it. I think I am a joy to listen to. I, if I was at home, I'd listen to this programme. Only if I'm on it, I wouldn't be listening to somebody else on it. Uh, Remus Moneypenny, I think that appalling orange hat she wears was designed by the house of David Dickinson. I mean, it's such a, she's such an awful presenter. I mean, she's so dreadful. What? I mean, no, don't watch it, because it'll give it figures. I don't want, you know, people to sort of disappear and start watching things. I mean, it was so awful, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, enjoy hearing you describe Lady Thatcher's funeral, says Rebecca, as in America, the Boston bombing wiped her funeral off the map. Well, I, I, it didn't make any difference. I don't think we were expecting huge coverage over there, so didn't didn't make any difference at all. Listen, she never wanted a fuss anyway. She wouldn't have wanted that kind of thing. She didn't want to fly past or anything else. Uh, one here from Beverly, who says, how does Shirley Bassey and Joan Collins look so fantastic? Even the Queen looked great. Sarah Ferguson, on the other hand, looks an absolute fright. No, I know, she's... I don't know what she was doing there. What was she doing there? Was she some sort of close friend of Margaret Thatcher's or something? I shouldn't think so. Why would Margaret Thatcher want to... I don't know, perhaps it was... uh, Was Prince Andrew there? What was Sarah Ferguson doing? She'll pitch up for anything, won't she? She's back in the country. Is there any, any parties I can go to? Thatcher's funeral. I'll go, I'll go! You can see, can't you? And it went very well, says Beverly. None of the disruption. Came up to London to watch and the atmosphere was totally respectful. I love seeing the soldiers saluting, people cheering and so many young people. The address given by Amanda Thatcher was touching and brave. And uh, if you can call a funeral great, then this was great. It was good. It was very well put together. It was, it was done as we, we do things. You know, and we do them well. And Bryn says, you are absolutely right, but there again, you always are. He says about the final tribute to Baroness Thatcher. What a wonderful, sincere, brilliant and so typically British event it was and how beautifully it was all orchestrated. Annie and I watched every second and she was so carried away by it all that she clapped and applauded all the way through. The best news we heard, there were no arrests, exactly. The police decided that, you know, they were going to allow the people to have their boos and turn their back and hold their little banners up. If it was something that was grossly offensive and would offend young people, then they would step in. But nobody was arrested, which was exactly as it should have been. It was a respectful funeral. There were a few demonstrators, as Bryn says, but nothing serious. But the guys uh, who, for us, stole the day and were the brightest stars in the galaxy of excellence, were the eight young military men and their two senior officers who carried the coffin under the most extreme difficulties. I know, at one point, you could see the strain. You could see the strain. I mean, to be honest with you, they could have probably lifted Baroness Thatcher with one finger. It was the fact that the coffin probably weighed so much. And there's so much focus on the people there. There was so much attention that from the moment they had... I mean, it was all right. I can imagine them breathing a sigh of relief when they came outside. They came down the steps of St Paul's. Not easy to negotiate, especially when you're carrying a dead weight like that. You could see that they were working together as a team and they got to the car and then they sort of turned around and they lowered the coffin and then it was slid. You could see the relief on their faces that they'd finally managed to put it in the the car. I mean, it was... uh, That, I, I agree 
was just was just sensational. He says, as you know, this is Bryn, uh, Annie and I more or less have to live in France for family reasons, but my God, yesterday made us feel deeply proud to be British <coughs> and show the world that we really are the greatest, especially at pageantry. Maggie Thatcher put the great back into Great Britain. She would have loved yesterday's tribute. There you go. Loads of love from Annie and me again. Congratulations on being right, he says, yet again. One of these days I'll be wrong, but at the moment I seem to be... It was. We do pageantry well. I don't... I said before, I don't mind if you don't like her. You know, there's loads of... Mind you, did you notice the patently obvious? The Vatican elect an Argentinian Pope. Margaret Thatcher dies. Work that one out. Divine intervention from God, or just a coincidence? Just a coincidence. I'm only thinking about it, you know... And we'll all be eating corned beef by the end of the week. I do hope not. 84850, uk, And uh, Junior, he says, because he's, he's cleaning windows at the apparently at the moment, he says, one of the side effects of successful chemo is abundant energy. So I'm cleaning the inside of my windows, laughing out loud at your sardonic wit. Priceless lampooning. It's blowing a gale and the rain's horizontal. It's foul, but life is good. Good. I'm glad that everything is uh, is going well. It is. I mean, there is a side effect of of, of chemo, and uh, it, it's never fun at the time, is it? It's never fun, but you do get the boundless energy. You, you get the boundless energy where you can uh, you can do things. And to be honest with you, I've done stuff like that. I've done stupid things, but I've not felt well. You know, when you sort of you sometimes think to yourself. Oh, God, I don't know, I don't feel 100% today. My boss is always asking me. I get quite... Somebody asked me earlier on this morning, how are you? I was like, I said, I must look really ill. People are constantly asking me, are you well? Because he say, are you well? I said, I must look really rubbish. I must walk in there, I must think, poor, look, he's on his last legs, honestly. He'll barely make it to the chair. Quick, stand up, let him sit down, let him sit down. Everybody asks me. My boss said to me the other day, he said, how are you, Steve? I said, I always lay it on a bit thick. So I went... I'm getting through. I'm getting through the day, James. <laughs> I like to worry him a little bit. Of course, one of these days that will actually happen. I will drop dead in front of him. And that'll be the day he goes, oh, well, who are we going to get to cover the programme now? Very inconvenient. <laughs> I loved it. I love it. It's all good stuff. Uh, right. Eight for eight. For, I'll go back through some of the... Oh, I haven't, oh, I haven't done the, the competition, have I? Look at me, honestly. This is you lot. You're distracting me at home. Sending me in all these texts and emails at this time of the morning. So here is the gadget giveaway. Okay, for today. Brace yourselves. Yesterday, the winner came from Tooting. Peter Dolan correctly identified, I got it wrong, that a chanterelle is a type of mushroom. (laughs) I thought it was a melon. (laughs) I thought, seriously, I thought it was a melon. I'm sitting here thinking, oh, this is too easy for words. But it's a mushroom. And the more I thought about it, the more, of course, I realised. Anyway, he won himself, did our Peter, a fabulous Toshiba laptop. Well done, Peter. Today, wait for this one, a fantastic Android tablet, the Google Nexus 7. This is Google's answer to the iPad. Does everything. Does everything. It's had some fantastic reviews. And it can be yours this morning uh, by 6.30. So one lucky listener will win the Google Nexus 7 tablet today by answering this question correctly. You ready? This one I think I could do. What type of food is mulligatawny? What type of food is mulligatawny? To enter, text the word gadget, G-A-D-G-E-T, and then your answer. Mulligatawny is... I'll send your answer to 84850. Got to be here before 6.30 this morning. So what type of food is mulligatawny? 
text the word gadget, then your answer, Mulligatawny is... And then you send that to 84850 before 6.30. Text will cost you pound fifty plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but you may be charged. Go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, for all the terms and conditions. How lovely. A Google Nexus 7 tablet. It's like the iPad, just Google's version. Great reviews, great reviews, and it can be yours this morning. How cool are we? we answer, very, very cool. Uh, Barbara of Swanage, happy birthday for Saturday. She podcasts you every day, says Michael. He says, as we can't get LBC here. Actually, my, my friend Graham is, is going away on holiday. He said, I haven't listened to the programme, he said, for a, for a few days. He said, so I can save the podcast up. I know some people thrive on the podcast. They can't get enough of the podcast. And there's a free one every day where I'm particularly rude about certain celebrities, but I mean, that's what I do for a living. And then there's the uh, other one, which you pay for, but you can download everything on LBC. And the answer is download as much as possible. So Barbara of Swanage, happy birthday for Saturday. Very wisely, doesn't tell us how old you are. People don't do that anymore, do they? They, they, they never like to say how old somebody is. Uh, Phil is going off for a new shoulder at the Royal Orthopaedic Hospital. So he said, can you stop mentioning fried bread? Oh, fried bread with an egg on top. <gasps> And a piece of bacon, just maybe a sausage. Oh, some beans. Oh, all there. He says I'm not allowed to eat until after the operation. You can't, can you? That's the trouble. That's why you see, I'm very lucky. When I go for my blood test, they do a fasting blood test. I do my fasting when I'm asleep. Then I wake up. I come into here. I don't have anything. I can't remember if I have water. Do I have water? I can't remember on my fasting day. I don't think I do, actually. And then I go back and I arrange it for eight in the morning. So I'm home by eight, go in for the blood test, and then go home and gorge. <laughs> Mind you, for you, it's going to be a little bit difficult, isn't it, Philip, to actually sort of eat anything? Because operations go for hours, days, some of them. You might not be eating till this time tomorrow. It's not very good, is it? Oh, I'm reminding you of things like that. Uh, going to a 60s show is Noreen Instant Albans. Dave Berry, you interviewed him on a Sunday show two years ago. Wayne Fontana. Pamela, Pamela. Uh, the Mersey Beats, Mike Pinder and the new Amen Corner. Hello, Susie. And uh, to cut a lot of story short, I'll be meeting up with a lady, Beryl, who's listened to you since the Goff Square days. We've been at the same 60 shows and didn't know until a week ago that we're both fans. We have a nice time. They always have these really good shows, don't they, in St Albans? You do very well. Very... I'm taking a break. I'm just reading Noreen's text here. My goodness, it's an email. She says here, did you see Mark Thatcher's first wife anywhere? I thought she'd been very proud of her daughter. Yes, I thought so. You know, I thought it was very, very good. The address by the Bishop of London was amazing. And I did think, like you, that Ken Clark was slightly underdressed. But the Chelsea pensioners, you can't fail but look at them and just think, do you know, you could, do, you could stand there in your pants and you'd look good. So, and the way things are going next door in the control room, I think we'll all be down to our pants and vest very, very shortly. LBC 97... Hello, 13 minutes to five. Mike Bushell, you mentioned, says Mark, reads the sport on BBC News. Oh, that one. Oh, yes, he does, you're right. It's neither one who they send... He's only about three foot tall, apparently. He's another one of these sort of midgets on the television. We discovered that loads of people on the television are really short. We only discovered the other day, when we were talking about Made in Chelsea, and the nasty Spencer Matthews, a horrible piece of work. I mean, really deeply unpleasant. Well, that's what drugs do to you. But we discover that poor old Jamie with the bleached hair is about as big as a Polly Pocket. He's no bigger than a Barbie doll. He's a tiny person. I thought he was tall. But he's not. He's the one heir to, I don't know, something. Jamie Lang, I think his name is. But, uh, but Hugo's tall. Who's, who's the gay one? Ollie, who can't make up his mind. Ollie, you're gay. All right, love, let's not beat around the bush here. It's no good 
fannying around, you know, going, well, maybe I'm gay, perhaps I'm bisexual. No, do you're gay. You're quite clearly gay. You know, you sit there, I mean, you, you, we don't need any more clues to the fact that you're gay, OK? You spend a lot of time looking in the mirror, you're very vain and you're very unattractive. OK, gay. Rest my case, thank you very much indeed. And, uh, but poor old, poor old Spencer got kicked out, didn't he? They didn't want him in, in the flat just as well. Horrible, horrible man. I don't, I've never met anybody so vile on the television. Unfortunately, it's not pleasant with him. You could understand if it was an act, somebody not being particularly nice, but he's, he's just horrid. He, he picks on people. He picks on people badly. Uh, 84850. Uh, uh, Michael says, did you see the strong protests up north, the anti-Thatcher people? No, oh, I'm in the south, mate. I live in London. Why would I see the protests up north? What protests? What, uh, I, don't, I don't think they bothered the television, did they, really? What, a few half-hearted miners? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, surely not people are still protesting after all this time. She's not been in power for about 27 years or something. Funny that. I mean, I don't know. We didn't see the strong protests up north. We're in London. We're shielded from that. There's a wall that we've built. It's just outside Watford. And uh, I think it's passport control or something like that. No, we didn't. Nobody bothers in London. I think that the support... Actually, strangely enough, the majority of people on, on the streets here, Michael, had come from up north. There were people who'd come from... People had come from all over the place. 99% of people in this country were a supporter of Margaret Thatcher. I and mean, the actual demonstrations against her were very minimal. You know, why would people bother? I think in Easington, which was apparently one of the collieries that was closed down, they only managed to muster 100 people. Whereas in Grantham... You know, that's up north, as far as I know. They had loads of people there uh, in support of. They've got a museum, I think, dedicated to Margaret Thatcher. As I said, I couldn't care less what what people vote. Makes no difference to me. But the overwhelming people in London, the overwhelming majority, were fans of Margaret Thatcher. And that's why they clapped her. That's why it was was a fantastic day for a lot of people. Uh, 84850, stevedlbc.co.uk. Let's try and weave some more of these in here. This is uh, on the subject of uh, Bob Crow. He d- we asked the other day, because I, was, I wasn't sure the answer, uh, whether he lived in a council flat. And apparently he does. He lives in a council flat. I don't know why, on the money he's earning. I mean, it's, how does he qualify? Does he live with his mummy or something like that? I mean, is that how it works? Because I've, I've got no idea how on earth somebody on Bob Crow's money could ever be allowed to have a council flat. Surely he can, he can move into some very posh areas. Hope so, anyway. 84850, uk. Everybody now telling me that Amanda Mealing is an actress. Um, and Johnny says, Mike Bushell lives in my village in Hampshire. He's nice and smiley when you see him in real life. Oh, well, that's because he's on television. They, Johnny, they all smile if they're on television. You know why? Because they're so worried that you might be a journalist writing, you know, something awful about them. So they go, hello, hello. I found myself doing it after I've been on Channel 5 a few times. People would be going, hello, and I'd be going, hello. I don't know. You have to say to me, you know, are you on television? I said, I don't know. <laughs> don't know if I'm on television or not. So just sort of, you know, just turn up, they put makeup on and do my hair. Or in my case, try and restore it. And then you go on television and they say, did you enjoy it? I said, I don't know. <laughs> don't know. <laughs> don't know whether I enjoyed it or not. We didn't do that at primary. We sort of got it. We got as far as painting and, uh, and cutting a coconut in half to put in the garden for the tits. And that's as far as it went. We didn't do anything, <laughs> do anything else. I did plasticine plasticine at school. That was quite nice. Uh, years ago, says Steve the Milky, I was requested to be a pallbearer at my nan's funeral. Of course I agreed. There were six of us and none of us had done anything like it before. All was going well until we came to the steps of the church. We made it, but I've never done anything so stressful. Oh, it's, I mean, I'd, they don't ask me. 
Near me, though, there is a funeral director, and they do a lot of those ecological funerals, you know, where people are buried in a wicker basket. It's a bit like being a lobster, except you're not sort of curled round the thing. They're sort of, but they're very wobbly. They're very wobbly. And I saw somebody coming out, and it was, it was quite a little while ago, and, and the, the coffin moved, because it's, it's just a basket. And, of course, anything that's got a person in, it sort of moves about a bit, because you're not kind of prepared for that. I, I couldn't be a pallbearer. I mean, I'd be honoured to be asked. So don't, don't sort of start asking me to do it or anything like that. But I'd be so worried in case I'd fall apart. But you all link arms, don't you, underneath? So it's, it's fair, the six of you. It's fairly good. The only thing I thought was Mark Thatcher's children are really attractive the other day. It's such a shame, isn't it, when you look at him and then you look at the children. But they were absolutely wonderful. I thought Amanda Thatcher was brilliant. Absolutely. Everybody's fallen in love with her. They all like her. She makes Pippa Middleton look a bit old and staid, doesn't she? So we like her a lot. She was very, very good. Uh, Granny would be proud, as they say. Granny would be... I wanted to get up at mine. Oh, I lost my other auntie the other day. I've lost two aunties very quickly. My auntie Joan, I lost, who was uh, married to my uncle Stan, who was my dad's older brother, and she died the other day, and they had, well, that's where we had the humanist ceremony, and then my auntie Jean died the other day, and it was her husband who was my mum's brother. I think, actually, Jack, who was a probation officer, there's a good profession to have in the family, um, and I think they had, oh, here we go, two children, three children, I cannot remember, three, three children, and, uh, and that was very sad, because she was really nice, but she was 85, but in my mind... They're all the same age. They're the age you remember when you used to go and see your relatives all the time. When you get a bit older, you don't see them as much, do you? You don't see people. We don't go around. Even though we, we profess to being very family-orientated. So my brother phoned me and said that Gina died, because Jack died a little while ago. And that's up in uh, Norfolk. So that was very sad. I know that her, her, her kids will be very sad. But she was lovely. She was really nice. She was what I call a proper person. Proper person. You know, when you went round, they'd, you know, as kids we, w- we would play, but you'd have to travel to somebody's house. It could be miles away. And I remember when they moved up to, up to Norfolk, and I, I liked Norfolk, and it was, it was really nice up there. But she was homely. She made sandwiches and stuff like that. It was just very, very sad. But 85 was a very good innings. Kevin says, being out on the round, I listened to the funeral LBC, and I thought that Nick and the team did a brilliant job describing it. And uh, will the weather department turn the blooming wind machine off? It's blooming freezing out here. Fingerless gloves are back on. Morning to uh, to Junior as well. Good news about his health. It's always good news about people's health. I don't I don't like it. I've I've lost a couple of uh, listeners recently, not intentionally. They've just passed away. There was one man who used to be in Twickenham all the time. I think he used to enjoy a drink. Used to enjoy a drink, and uh, him and his wife enjoy a little bit of a little bit of a flutter. And I see her now, and uh, he apparently passed away the other day. Uh, Paul Cooper. Still very much with us, but he's not very... He's resting at the moment from... And people keep asking, I know, over at the markets, you know, how is he? And he's okay. I think he went back in for an angiogram the other day into hospital. But the best thing for him is the rest. He needs to rest. Resting is very good. If you're ill, you know, if you push... Like Andrew Marr. You push yourself too much, you go out boozing with producers and things like that. I don't believe the old rowing machine malarkey, I'm afraid. I'm far too cynical for that. I believe it's the going out boozing and trying to burn the little candle both ends. It doesn't work. It really doesn't work. So he, he's resting up, which is good news at the moment. And, uh, and apart from that, what else has happened? Nothing. We're all, you know, you've just got to, if you're not feeling very well, then you've got to, you've got to rest. I mean, I agree with you, Kevin that I thought the, the funeral on LBC was great. In fact, I was just reading a thing from, from the boss who says, you know, everybody did very, very well yesterday. You've all done very well. 
Love things like that. Uh, Martin in Rotherhithe. He said, no other nation can do it like us. No, I, you're absolutely right. Nobody does circum... You know, I was going to say pomp and circumstance. Uh, nobody does, you know, that kind of pageantry. We do it well. We do it really well. All the police look good. Everybody did, you know, and for, and for ages, people will be saying that old Max Boyce line, I was there. Because if you were there, you remember it. I can remember the Queen's Jubilee. I remember, you know, Princess Margaret dying, Diana dying. All these things you remember. And all these things, you know, people say, what was it like? And you go, oh, I can remember the morning that Diana died. I can remember the night. I remember the newspapers coming out and we went to pick them up in Earl's Court. They said, no, something's happened. Came home, turned on the radio. And there was Tim Crook talking about it. Immediately flip on the television. And there's somebody saying... And uh, I forget who it is. I think somebody works for Classic FM now. But he, he was saying, Princess Diana has been killed in a cut. You went, what? What? You know, when you, when you get to somebody of Margaret Thatcher's age, you almost kind of expect something to happen. But she, she went on a lot. The Queen, incidentally, was invited to her 80th birthday party. And she went. The Queen went to Margaret Thatcher's birthday, even though we all know that there was probably no love lost between them. But at the end of the day, the Queen is a professional person. She knows exactly what to do. She knows how to behave. She's just... She's just good. She's just good. Uh, Chris says, When I heard the bells of St Paul's ringing after the service, it made me proud to be British. Made everybody proud to be British. She was she was proud of being British. It's interesting seeing, you know, the people who um, who shed a few tears for her yesterday. But the, but the best pictures, and there's pictures in all the papers, of the crowds, 15 deep, 10 deep, you know, it's 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 really amazing. There's one man here. The army of fans do her proud against the the few people who were who were complaining about her. But everybody liked everybody liked a day out. You know, it was good, and we did it very very well. Um, apparently, Amanda Meeling's a very good actress, Steve. She was in Holby City for a long time playing a heart surgeon. She's now in the series Strike Back on Channel Eleven. I don't even know what channel... What's Channel 11, for God's sake? I don't even know what that is. Is Channel 11 something important? I've only got BBC One, BBC Two and ITV. I've got anything else at all. I haven't even got Sky. I don't have anything like that. I'm, t- I'm too worried. It costs too much money. I'm a bit mean, I'm afraid. And I don't, I don't, I don't like the satellite dishes. They don't look nice. I know you can have them covered up in disguise as things. I, I, I've seen... We, I can't be cabled where we are. They, they, they tried it. We'll have cables running all over the place. It'll look ridiculous. And, and I've got loads of DVDs, so I'm quite happy with that. But I, I did see a thing once that you can put over uh, a satellite dish... I think it's called a council house. Sorry. No, it's, um, it's a plastic covering that goes on, which is disguised as bricks... Or there's one that's got flowers on or something. It's like you can disguise your, ru- your, your dustbin. It sounds worse, doesn't it, really? You can disguise your, uh, your rubbish bin or something. They've got a cover over it. If you've got a wheelie bin, you can make it look like it's covered in flowers. No? Just looks like a rubbish bin with a plastic cover on, which has got flowers stamped on it. And I quite like... It's like people have a mural inside on their wall, you know, which, which is quite nice. They used to have one in Coronation Street. Hilda Ogden used to have one. It looked a bit sad, but she had flying ducks. There's probably people listening who've got flying ducks on their wall this morning. I haven't got flying ducks. I have to tell you that now. I'm quite a normal person at home. It's just, well, I say normal person at home. I mean, probably not for other people. Anyway, more of your texts and emails coming up very shortly. If you have just joined us, it's LBC. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. We've got our gadget giveaway for today, and the papers are full, as you now know, of the pictures of the funeral yesterday, which, to all intents and purposes, went very well. Why? Because we do things like that very well. On FM, online and...
Morning, four minutes past five. I'll bring you up to date with, uh, with the situation in Waco. This uh, explosion at a fertiliser plant just, just outside of Waco. They say 60 to 70 people dead at the moment. And uh, it's, it's literally uh, knocked out the power all over the place. So I'll bring you up to date with, with that one in a few minutes. We'll hopefully be talking to somebody in America. The papers this morning, uh, all full of the funeral yesterday and of the, uh, the Thatcher family with uh, Mark Thatcher's two extremely good-looking children. Extremely. That's Michael and Amanda. She was fantastic. I mean, she really was absolutely fantastic. And uh, there's Carol Thatcher, her companion, Marco Grass, who I think has been living with her for... 20 years, I think, in... Uh, where the Dickens are there? I can't remember where they are. That's, uh, certainly one of the ski resorts. Uh, then in uh, in uh, picture form, they've got uh, all the people out there with people waving homemade banners. 90%, 99-point-plus uh, percent of people uh, in support of Margaret Thatcher. Then they've also got pictures of uh, people leaving the crematorium and Amanda Thatcher putting her arm round her father, also Carol Thatcher. And uh, it's, you know, that's, that's the touching bit for everybody. The rest of it is the ceremonial side, which is the, the bit that we're all privy to. Yesterday, at the end, at the crematorium, that's when, you know, it finishes. It goes no further from there. But they all held up extremely well, so well done to them. There's also uh, a lot of people uh, talking about the celebrities who were there and everybody talking about what they were wearing. Uh, some people know how to dress themselves. Some people appear to have no idea at all, I'm afraid. Norman Tebbits was looking a bit old, as indeed was Lord Carrington. Selwyn Gummer at 73 I thought, looked uh, quite good. And uh, Michael Heseltine. Uh, Douglas Hurd, frail, but there. Geoffrey Howe. Leon Britton, good grief, Cecil Parkinson, Nigel Lawson. Old friends, old foes. And the one thing that unites them all now is uh, is age, I suppose. Uh, here is uh, Sarah. Oops, I did it again. The Gurning Exhibitionist. This is uh, Sarah, Duchess of York. Uh, she laughed and waved and grinned as she greeted familiar faces inside some... Po- Perhaps she didn't, wasn't aware that it was a funeral. Perhaps nobody had told her. The former royal was also forced to deny showing a lack of respect after appearing to use her mobile phone at the end of the service. Viewers claimed to have seen her texting after the coffin and family party, followed by the Queen, had left the cathedral. Anyway, they can't quite work it out. And somebody said, what was she doing there? Somebody said she was mourning a friend. She had enormous respect for her warmth. She would often pop around for tea, a chat and some sage advice when in town. Great. I can only hazard a guess at what on earth Sarah Ferguson had to talk about to Margaret Thatcher. But the uh, the pictures inside, and what they've done is they've sort of looked at the crowds lining the route for Winston Churchill... And the crowds lining, lining the route for Margaret Thatcher. And they've taken the picture roughly in the same place. So you can see how the buildings have changed. But the crowd were as deep for Margaret Thatcher as they were before. And also the other thing, it's very interesting, that uh, Jan Moyer was talking about looking at the television coverage of what people were wearing. Over on the, uh, this morning, they had uh, Holly, Willoughby and Philip wearing black outfits. I mean, it was most bizarre. It was most bizarre. We sort of flipped back there because they, they were sort of flip-flopping backwards and forwards to get the coverage of the funeral. But they were wearing black outfits. Holly was wearing a black dress. Philip was wearing black trousers and a black shirt. And uh, half the staff of the programme appeared to be wearing black clothes. It was all very odd. Very odd. 
Uh, Gaff-prone Dimbleby seemed to be flying at half-mast, says Jan Moyer. And don't even get me started on Holly and Phil. It was just the fact that they were, they were wearing their clothes, you know, wearing black clothes. I've never seen that before. Never seen that before. It was obviously somebody had made a decision and they'd said, can everybody wear it and, and try and look a little bit sombre? We don't want some people come back going, and here's our, you know, competition for the morning. You can win £30,000 or something like that. 84850, uk. News coming in. It occurred last night that 60 to 70 people are dead and many more injured. This is following this major explosion at a fertiliser plant, which is near Waco in Texas. It's not the first time that Waco is featured on the map for journalists. So I'll bring you up to date with that one very shortly and try and let you know, know more about it. It's not the first time we've heard of explosions in fertiliser factories either. Apparently it's highly flammable. I've got no idea. A dispatcher with the West Texas Fire Department says the explosion happened last night. She says any casualties are taken hospitals in Waco. Six helicopters are, are en route. And uh, the station over there, KWTX, reports that the explosion at West Fertiliser, that's the name of the company, was reported around 7.50pm local time in a frantic call from the scene. So they've been taking the injured to hospital. Around, at the moment, 70 people have been killed. That's the latest estimate, and hundreds have been injured. The uh, power's been taken out. People are trapped inside buildings. More details on LBC 97.3. As the uh, as the morning progresses, we'll hopefully find out more about it. This comes in the light of and the uh, the aftermath, of course, of the explosion in Boston. Some of the papers this morning are showing a picture of the <coughs> excuse me explosive device in Boston, left literally just in front of one of the the barricades, and you could see it quite clearly. Uh, they're saying that it was a pressure cooker. It was quite a large pressure cooker, to be honest with you. So anybody standing behind it just wouldn't have stood a chance. Three people, four people, as you know, died in, in that one. There were two explosions, and there is no truth in the rumour that they've arrested somebody. They're still looking into it. They're trying to get as much forensic as possible. Barack Obama has promised them uh, every bit of assistance, and hopefully somebody will be charged. They think they've got uh, an identification of a person seen crossing a roof. He was caught on CCTV, but there's no indication yet that that was the person responsible for the atrocity. That was for, for Boston, the, uh, the one that we're dealing with this morning is the 60 or 70 people who are dead in Waco. This is at a fertiliser plant. And I don't know why, but for some reason in my mind, it, it resonates in the fact that fertiliser is actually quite dangerous. Whether it's the, the process that means that it explodes, I can't remember. But there was something about it. It's earth and the things that go in it, or the process. Now, whether or not this is uh, an explosion just within the plant, or whether or not this is a, an explosion that was deliberately set, we don't know at the moment. We'll have further details for you as the morning goes through. There's a, a student in the papers today who posed as an online buyer to lure the owners of Rolex and Cartier watches into armed robberies. Well-spoken Lauren Lafayette Ede made appointments to view the watches after spotting them on eBay and Gumtree, but uh, she was merely acting as a front for a pair of robbers armed with tasers and Uzi submachine guns. Ridiculous, isn't it? But uh, here she is. At one point, uh, Lafayette E joined the robbers using a taser on the owner of a Rolex at his home in Reading. Absolutely terrible. I mean, this, these. she comes from um, Sydenham and Ramsgate and places like that. They all admit conspiracy to rob. It's, it's the greed, isn't it? The factor nowadays. It's so sad. I was watching one of these 
<coughs> excuse me, programmes the other day, which is where the police try and catch up with somebody, and this policeman is out there all by himself. And as a car goes past, because they've got number plate recognition in all the police cars in this country, except if people have tampered with their number plates and the machine can't read it. But if it's something that throws up, like drug dealer or no tax or insurance, it goes, warning, warning. And so he's driving past. This car goes past. He goes, warning, warning. And he checks it, and it turns out to be, he thinks, a drug dealer. So anyway, he pulls the car over, and the guy gets out, and he says, uh, hi, and he tr- because he's by himself... He has to play it fairly cool. And he's obviously well, just him and the camera crew. And he's saying, so uh, have, have you got anything in the, in the car I should be aware of? No, 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 says the guy. And he goes to sit in. He said, well, come and, just come and have a sit in, in my car. He's playing it carefully. Anyway, this bloke makes a run for it. He makes a run for it. So he immediately, because another police car has pulled up at the back. And so as this bloke makes a run for it, one of the other policemen in the other car gets out and trips him up. They then produce their tasers. And apparently this is what freaks people out because you just get a green light shining on you and they go, don't move, don't move, put your hands up, this and this place. He's a bodybuilder. Anyway, to cut a long story short, they then cuff him. He then tries to run away again. And the reason is he's got drugs on him. He's a drug dealer. That's what he is. They knew he was a drug dealer. They were just waiting because the copper says to him to start with, he said, I recognise your face. I've, I've seen you before. Anyway, he was out on bail because he's been in prison for drug dealing. So he's back inside prison again. A lot of people talking about uh, Simon Cowell and how they've hidden his sagging jawline. This, <laughs> this cropped up on the television the other day because he's got extra lights in front of him on the Britain's Got Talent desk. He's got four extra lights. Nobody else has. And it's to make sure that he looks smooth and youthful as opposed to looking all jowly. I didn't have no idea that you can do this with things. But apparently he's got four lamps there. And, of course, he's had his Botox and he's had his vitamin injections. He's had all sorts of things done. And I don't know why. It just makes him look slightly peculiar and puffy at times. P-U-F-F-Y. It's, you know, and you sort of think to yourself, why do you... You don't need it doing. You look fine. You absolutely look fine. I mean, admittedly, the super bright white teeth look a bit ridiculous at times, but everything else is okay. Don't worry about the ageing process, but don't go down the route of a lot of people in America, Simon, and have yourself altered. You know, because it just... You just don't need it. But I, I like the idea of having... Of having these extra lights on the desk. The other people must be wetting themselves laughing at that. Uh, who is the most hated celebrity? Apparently, it's Gwyneth Paltrow. Yeah, I don't like her either. I don't know why I don't like her. There's no reason why I don't like her, actually. She just annoys. Uh, the other one here is Kristen Stewart. That's that ghastly old cheating woman who cheated on Robert Pattinson. Uh, Anne Hathaway came ninth. Jennifer Lopez is there. Oh, dreadful woman. Dreadful woman. The demands that these people... I'm going to start doing this. You know, I've decided that this could be the way forward. I want a dressing room. I want my tea at a certain temperature. You know, that's, that's what we should have to have. And also, Justin Bieber, who's very irritating, I think just full stop. He's trying to make himself into a little bit of a hard man and he's got a bit of an edge to him. Whereas he just looks like a, a slightly camp, a feet, little Canadian boy who takes his shirt off and shows you his pants. I don't call that being particularly butch or anything. Uh, Madonna... Yes, I can imagine people would find Madonna irritating. But, you know, I'm not, not in any particular way, shape or form. And Kim Kardashian, a woman with no talent whatsoever. I mean, that, that, that's, the, that's the thing that annoys me. That's the thing that annoys me, first of all. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. I'll run through the 
gadget giveaway in a moment. The news headlines are coming up now, and uh, that top story is going to be Waco in Texas. It's quarter past five. News headlines with Dan Whitehead. There are reports that dozens of people have died and more than 100 are injured. This is London's biggest conversation with Steve Allen. Trying to get hold of our correspondent in America at the moment. If you've just woken up, the uh, the news is there's been a huge explosion at a fertiliser factory just outside of Waco in Texas. And uh, so far, the initial indications are about 70 people dead, hundreds injured, because it was a, a fairly big place. We don't know what it is at the moment. We just know it's been an explosion. We'll hopefully find out a little bit later on. Nick Ferrari will be talking this morning in his programme at 7 o'clock about that, plus the day after Thatcher's funeral. Nick will be asking, is it acceptable that a London MP, this is Diane Abbott, dismissed the event as a waste of money and a party political event? Plus there's another unmissable edition of Call Clegg, as the Deputy PM takes your calls. Plus, as your child got into their first choice of primary school, that's quite a, quite a problem nowadays, isn't it, for a lot of, a lot of parents. Kip Malthouse, Deputy Mayor for Business and Enterprise, will be live in the studio looking at the papers for this morning. But it's Diane Abbott who called Thatcher's funeral a waste of money. Well, I suppose Diane Abbott's funeral will be a waste of money to be able to pop her out with the rubbish. Like all those other useless MPs. I mean, do you do what? Do they say something? Do you think people now say something just for an effect, just to get themselves in the newspapers? In the case of Diane Abbott, the answer is yes. Yes, the answer is yes, of course she does. Uh, Sir Gerald Howarth, Conservative MP for Aldershot, will be saying the comments are unacceptable. But that's all they say nowadays, isn't it? They just go, it's unacceptable. I mean, to be honest with you, of course it's unacceptable. But there again, anything you say about somebody who's died is unacceptable. It's terrible. Uh, Gary says, Kirk Norcross, Arge, Heather from EastEnders and a bunch of Zedless people are going to be at a charity football match in Hampton Court on Sunday. Thank God I'm out for the day. Thank God I'm out. I couldn't think of anything worse, I'm afraid. Kirk Norcross, who's he? Oh, that's that old faded has-been, isn't it? The one who's, um, uh, who's written a, a tacky old book, I'm afraid. Uh, Dale is in Ipswich, working in London all this week. He said, I wish I, we had you on local radio. Well, you could still hear us back in Ipswich, believe it or not. You're, not. you're not another country, you know. You can pick us up on the internet. Not that difficult. Very easy. Uh, Sue Ann in Stockwell enjoyed the ceremony yesterday. And uh, Somebody here who says, uh, my missus is up with me for once and hearing you for the first time and she loves you. Oh, there you go, of course. I couldn't, couldn't possibly disagree with anything like that at all. I mean, if people love me, it is true. Uh, Cathy says, very sad day, but did it not look like the whole cast from Spitting Image had been reunited? Yes, that would have been fairly funny. Uh, Steve, do you have lights on your desk in the studio? Um, yes. I mean, but it's, it's not done. I mean, you know, to be honest with you, it, it, it isn't done to make me look more attractive. It's radio. It makes no difference what I look like. And the fact I am blonde and Amazonian, you know, today is uh, good. It's, yes, the pink hue in the studio around the, uh, around the room is, is actually quite effective, but it's, uh, I don't. It's Simon Cowell does it. I suspect it's the old Hollywood trick of if you uplight from underneath, it hides the chins. Although the moment the lights go off and he walks out from behind the desk, I suppose people just go, my God, you've aged badly. I hope he's not going to fall into that, that dreadful uh, trap in America of having really bad plastic surgery. Uh, Brian in Hampton Hill is glad the funeral went off well yesterday and the balmy renter mob caused no problems, which is good. Uh, Daniel, he says, you are right about fertiliser. It is, it is highly explosive. It's not the first time. I think we had it in this country. I remember a fertiliser factory here burnt down some time ago. Outside Waco, it must be a fairly big factory because I thought it was an all-automated process. But if 70 people have died... And I was looking at the images on the television. It's, it's quite some fire raging down there. But the good news is, Steve, I voted for you in the Golden Headphones Award. This is... This is thank you. 
I, I did tweet this yesterday. Well, in fact, Sam tweeted yesterday for me, saying, you know, you can vote for Steve as your favourite presenter. Doesn't have to, actually, you don't have to vote for me at all. I'm not going to, I'm not going to push it in any way, shape or form. But if you don't, OK, there'll be trouble. And you can vote, I think it's called Sony Golden Headphones. Golden Headphones Award, isn't it? SonyGoldHeadphones.com and you can find out all about it. And then I think they're going to be putting up a list very shortly of the people who've been voted for. But as I say, you know, I'd, I'd be very grateful to be, to be voted for for anything, I'm afraid. I'm not, uh, I'm not, particularly, uh, not particularly worried about it. But it would be nice, wouldn't it, to get some... I wonder if you get first, second and third, a bit like the national. First, second, third and fourth. Uh, one here from uh, Cedric. He says, uh, it's, do you remember, of course... The uh, the other fire in 1993, which left a lot of people dead. I remember Waco, Texas. I remember that, that's featured in the news a couple of times over the years, which I remember very well indeed. A uh, lot of people having a guess at what they think the competition answer is for today in the gadget giveaway, because Peter Dolan from Tooting yesterday correctly identified chanterelle being a type of mushroom. There's me thinking it was a melon or something. I don't know why I thought that. But anyway, he got himself a fabulous Toshiba laptop. And in the gadget giveaway for today, it's an Android tablet, the Google Nexus 7. This is Google's answer to the iPad. It sings, it dances, it'll take photographs, you can surf the net, you can download your music, put your photos in there, do everything. It's got some amazing reviews. Check it out online. The Google Nexus 7 Android tablet. But you could win one this morning by 6.30, at 6.30, if you know the answer to this question and you are picked. What type of food is mulligatawny? What type of food is mulligatawny? Text the word gadget, G-A-D-G-E-T, followed by your answer. So it's gadget and then what type of food is mulligatawny? Mulligatawny is... And then you put that word in and then you send that to 848... 508850 here by 6:30 this morning please the text will cost you 1 pound 50 plus your standard network rate if you text after the closing time you won't be entered but you may still be charged full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk uh very sadly uh, Kate O'Mara is in the paper today her son was found hanged after she asked him to move out uh, so they've got the inquest running at the moment. He'd had a, a life, I'm afraid, of uh, of drink and drug abuse. Then he'd had brain damage. He was 50. He wasn't wasn't a, a young person at all. But she asked him to move out. It's thought that when they found his uh, body, Dick and O'Mara, he'd been dead for up to three weeks. She's uh, immensely sad, actually, for any mother. But she'd obviously decided that she couldn't have him living there at all. And there's some pictures of the paper to say they always pick Pete. Uh, pictures of people when they were when they were fairly young uh, on the subject of the extra lights uh arthur says i remember when your studio was redone you mentioned you had new lights everywhere anything you wish to confess to such cynics out there this morning ladies and gentlemen not just working on the program but absolutely uh, out there trying now to suggest that the lighting in the studio is in some way contributing to my youthful good looks if only when we had our publicity shots taken, I have to be honest, I think they did work miracles. I was held together by pegs and sticky back plastic, uh, and I was lit from underneath, and we did have a makeup artist down there. But it's, it's not in an effort to make me look good, it's just to make me look younger in front of all the other people at LBC. James Toastland is a motorcycle racing rider, uh, John tells me. Oh, now I know who he is, actually. Now I know who he is. I thought the funeral was stunning, he said, and the choral music at the end was superb. 
It's just, it's the right place for it, isn't it? It is the right place for it. And that's why. Uh, 84850. Listen to your own station's podcast from last week. We, Bob Cronin's Council House. Fantastic interview, says Howard. Lovely. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Colin says, uh, can you not remind people that Justin Bieber is Canadian? We don't want to take responsibility for or be associated with that spoilt brat. If you promise not to remind people that Bieber is Canadian, we'll promise not to remind people that Kerry Katona is British. Is she? I thought she was Mongolian or something like that, or came from the planet Lunatic. I don't think... We don't think what? Warrington. Is that where she's from? Well, she'd go back there. She could take the kids as well, perhaps take her new fiancé. That'd be good. Yes, you're right. I'm sorry to mention that Justin Bieber is Canadian, but he is. You know, and he's, he's obviously... I mean, the majority of Canadians are, in fact, as you know, gay. And so there's no chance that they could ever butch themselves up at all. It's the weather over there, I think. I'm, something like that. Uh, Michael says, I wake early and have a bad back. What well, is this on a daily basis? You wake early and have a bad back. He says, now you're making me laugh. He said, well, thank you for the giggles. Well, listen if, listen, if it increases the pain, I'm all with you on that one. I like the idea. I like bringing misery to other people's lives, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, Mark says, you sound so much better when you're fighting fit with no coughs and colds. Actually, j- to be honest with you... I, I seriously thought I was going down with a cold the other day. I got, I got slightly panic-stricken, thinking I'm definitely going to get another cold again. And then, and then all of a sudden it went away. But my elbow still hurts. You know what? Twice this week I've walked into walls. Uh, not the ice cream place. The, uh, you know, just walls. And I've banged my elbow. Balance problems. I think I'm having a bit of trouble. I fell over twice this morning in the bathroom. Trying to, is it Vertigo? Probably Vertigo. That's quite nice. Uh, Paul says, Channel 11 is Pick TV, which you can get on your TV as you have Freeview. Thank you. Amanda Mealing does, as you've already been told, play a doctor, a frequent guest on Paul O'Grady's old evening programme, one of his best friends. And if memory serves, think Paul could be godfather to one or both of her children. That's all I need. I'll have him phoning me later going, what are you saying about Amanda Mealing? Thank you, Paul, in Manchesterford. Hope things are well up your neck of the woods. It's very cold down here today. It's got a bit chilly. And yesterday was beautiful. Wasn't yesterday a lovely day? I looked out and I thought, you know, it's lovely. So I went out and I watered the, um, all the fuchsias because, you know, I've got five trays. I've got a hundred fuchsia plants which are happily sort of surviving in the cold weather because I'm what's called hardening them off at the moment. You have to. So they, they grow in the greenhouses, then they sort of bring them inside, then they warm them up a bit, and then you put them outside so that they, they can harden the roots off and everything else. And let, some of them are doing really well. So I gave them a quick drench the other day. I've got the baskets all ready, and, and I will be planting. Not just yet. It's a bit early at the moment. We haven't quite got enough good weather for actually uh, the planting out, but I'm, I'm very much... Very much looking forward to doing that. I'm hoping my basket... I shall send pictures and post pictures, of course, as you can well imagine. I'm, I'm very caring in that department. Um, other stories in the papers today. Waco, of course, has not made any of the papers because it only occurred a short while ago. Uh, tributes flooding in to the hero driver who sacrificed his life to save 52 passengers in the Alps uh, coach crash. And there's a man who bombarded his ex with more than, how many text messages? 50,000. 50,000 text messages and phone calls. Fraser Jackson drove mum of four Sharon Milner to despair. On one day alone, she received 277 texts. Jackson, who comes from Blackpool, admitted harassing her. He's been ordered to do 300 hours unpaid community work and uh, supervision. 
I don't know what that entails nowadays. Do they sweep the streets? I've got no idea. But we can imagine sending 50,000 texts. I mean, listen, if she wasn't interested in you before, she's definitely not going to be interested in you now. 84850, uk. We shall weave it all in. It's LBC 97.3. I've just woken up. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast with you till 6.30. And the time now, 5.30. News headlines with Dan White. Steve Allen. Hopefully we should have a, a reporter from Waco on the explosion at the fertiliser plant. I'm looking at the images on the television. Uh, they're saying, this is local reports on the local stations, up to 60 or 70 people dead. The explosion was huge, even after the first fire. The first explosion, there's then a second explosion. So we'll hopefully have an update on that very, very shortly. Warren says £10 million for Thatcher's funeral. It's nothing. She saved the UK £75 billion. Not really a huge price to pay. No, I mean, if you saw the, you know, the cost of doing everything, the cost of putting up flags in the Mall, for example, every time we have a, a head of the foreign dignitary coming over here, it will probably run into millions over the course of the year just making the flags. So everything costs money. It's, it, it makes no difference. It's the cost of putting all the barriers out on the street, which you would do for anything. You don't just have... So, otherwise, it would just be a, a private funeral, in which case there probably wouldn't be any cost involved at all. 84850, uk. There's uh, more in the papers today on this dreary Catherine Tildesley woman who was in Coronation Street. Really, uh, really not uh, not that exciting, droning on about the same thing she's droned on about before. I always think all these people, too much publicity, very little action, I'm afraid. Very little action. And so we'll, we'll come back uh, to this one. Penman and Summerland are doing their investigating. And uh, that's always, always very interesting. I like some of their... Their exposures, which are very good indeed. And there's the, the drug-dealing gran of the former Big Brother star, Josie Gibson, has been caught after 12 years on the run. So there you go, lovely old Josie Gibson. This is Diane Gibson, who fled shortly before she was due to be sentenced. She was found with coke in the boot of her car, really. Not a particularly good thing to have from a travelling family, is it? She'll be pixelated on the television before long, I should imagine. Uh, other stories which we're coming round to in the papers. Oh, I don't know if you saw a programme on the television last night. I was sort of strangely taken, because it featured a guy called um, Mike Fuller. Is it Mike Fuller? Mark Fuller. Uh, who's got various uh, restaurants in and around London. And a chef called Luke who at the beginning of the programme I didn't, uh, didn't like at all, but I quite liked him by the end. All he wanted was um, a star, a Michelin star, for his restaurant. And uh, he, was, he was slightly arrogant, not particularly brilliant, but he was OK. By the end of it, though, he kind of turned it around, and we, we liked him a lot. He suddenly realised you have to knuckle down and find out more about it. Well, let's have uh, talking of finding out more about it now. You've heard the story already. This explosion at a fertiliser plant, which is near Waco, in Texas, has uh, killed a number of people and injured quite a few more. The explosion happened last night in the community north of Waco. Uh, casualties taken to hospital there. We can now uh, join uh, video journalist Mike Miller, who's based in Houston. Mike, good morning. Hi, good morning, Steve. Um, what I can tell you at this point, the explosion happened uh, almost four hours ago. Uh, like you mentioned, about 20 miles north of Waco, which is uh, roughly two hours away from Dallas, uh, happened at a fertilizer plant. Um, started out as a small fire, and about five or two minutes later, it turned into a huge explosion. What we are hearing at this point, according to uh, EM, EMS director in West, the small town where it took place, he is now reporting that 60 to 70 people are dead and about 100 injured, at least 100. 
So um, not looking too good right now. Uh, and like I said, it's been about four hours since the explosion happened, and I'm actually going to start hitting up that way to uh, cover the story. I was looking at pictures which we're actually getting on the television over here, Mike. There, there appeared to be mm-hmm. one explosion and then another huge explosion. Correct. Um, it started out as a fire. Uh, firefighters uh, arrived at the scene, and about five or ten minutes later, uh, there was that first explosion. Uh, there, there is a fear right now that, a co- that there will be a second explosion. Um, uh, that, that's the report right now, but uh, obviously that hasn't happened yet. Um, but right now, the EMS, EMS director is saying 60 to 70 dead. So we'll have to wait and see how that uh, plays out. Right. It's, it's the middle of the night over there, isn't it? Correct. It's, um, right now it's 11.40 p.m. Okay, so the emergency services, I mean, I don't, to be honest with you, I don't know how big Waco is, but it's obviously got a very active uh, fire and emergency service department. Correct. I'm not sure of the size either, um, but it, 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 it is a good size. And, uh, but obviously they're going to need help from other, other cities as well. Uh, they're having choppers flown in from uh, Dallas and elsewhere. So um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of cities that are, try- are going to be uh, helping out uh, because... If, if, this, if this number is correct, if, if it is 60 to 70 dead and at least 100 injured, uh, they're going to need quite a bit of help from other, other counties and other cities in Texas. Right. Uh, presumably there's going to be some sort of an evacuation taking place because they need to contain the blaze, don't they? Uh, correct. Exactly. That is correct. Um, what, I, what I do know is that uh, when, when the explosion did happen, that it leveled, from what I'm hearing, it leveled a two-block uh, radius. Uh, completely leveled that area. Um, I'm not sure. I know there is a nursing home in the area, uh, but no reports yet um, of any fatalities there. Uh, but it is right next to the fertilizer plant. Right. So you're you're going to head up there now, are you, Mike? Going to start heading up there in about an hour, and uh, I'll be covering the story from there. So um, uh, we'll see. One, one other one other thing I can mention. Um, not sure if it has anything to do with this or not. If, if this uh, if this was intentional or if this is just something that happened right. at the uh, fertilizer plant, this fire. But this comes almost 20 years to the day. Uh, 20, actually, April April 19th, uh, 1993, when the uh, French Davidian compound burned down and 76 people died. So um, it's almost 20 years to the day that that happened. Mike, thank you for that. I knew that information, actually. Somebody had just uh, mentioned it to me a while ago. Mike Miller, who's a video journalist based in Houston, on that explosion. And it is. It's almost 20 years to the day. That was the last time that we were talking about Waco on LBC. So when it came up again this morning, we don't know as yet, because there's quite clearly a lot more of... uh, of investigation to go on before we can say exactly what occurred. But when you're working with these highly volatile and highly flammable liquids, which they use in in fertilisers now, there is always a danger. But as I say, we're not saying anything at the moment. We can just tell you it's an explosion. I can tell you that a number of people have died and a number of people have been taken to hospital. There's an evacuation uh, taking place at the moment. The priority is obviously to contain the blaze, but because the factory was so big, the explosion was huge. There was one explosion to start with, and then, as you'll see the pictures a little bit later on, there was another explosion after that, and they think there could be a third... They're trying to contain it. It's the middle of the night. They're trying to do the best they can. We'll have further updates on LBC 97.3 as we go through the morning. Nick Ferrari and the team will be covering that at 7, and no doubt Susan Bookbinder at 6.30. You've just joined us, 20 to 6. It's LBC 97.3. Trust you well this morning. It's, uh, you know, we've had our fair share of disasters, haven't we? What with Boston, 
I spoke to a friend of mine earlier on who's going to be doing the London Marathon and getting very excited. There's a number of people running here for for the Capital Help London Child Charities. We wish them well. I seem to have committed myself to sponsoring people, which I don't mind. As long as I don't have to run, I'm fine with these sort of things. And there's going to be thousands of people out there on Sunday. And they're going to be doing their very best. So I'm hoping that you're going to all go out there and cheer them on. Because that's the encouragement that they need on the streets. We'll also have this one. Just, change, just going back very briefly, we'll have... Uh, more on the travel situation over the weekend as well, because there will be various road closures as they pound the streets to do their... I think a friend of mine said, he said, I think I'll probably do it in about four and a half hours. Seemed like a, seemed like a lifetime as far as I was concerned. Uh, if you have just woken up, there's the explosion in Waco. Nearly 20 years to the day, nearly 20 years to the day that uh, there was that other disaster, which we all remember and people were, were talking about. So, uh, and that was just mentioned by Mike Miller a short while ago. So, uh, no doubt there will be uh, extra, extra information coming out a little bit later on. Sarah says, on the subject of the tribute to Maggie, she says here, uh, I was moved by the send-off. The service was faultless. And as you said, the reading by her granddaughter Amanda was exceptional. She remained very composed. Interesting to note how much all her peers have aged. Very sobering, I know, and how much slower they are. Unfortunately, during the coverage, they went over to Barnsley and interviewed the ex-wife of Arthur Scargill, who was not so nice about the Baroness, but it is to be expected, although not on a day like yesterday. As well as the Baroness being an exceptional leader, she was also a mother and a grandmother. Thank goodness the majority of people put their political differences aside. Funniest moment was Tony Blair acting as a doorman, shaking everybody's hand. As, as they were leaving the cathedral. Yes, I thought that was most bizarre. Thank you for coming, thank you for coming. As if he'd organised it or something. <laughs> Perhaps he's hoping they might do roughly the same for him. Might do the same. Fertiliser, says Bryn and Annie, uh, is highly explosive and inflammable. Our next-door neighbour in the house we own for 20 years in Florida had it happen in his garage. He said he and his wife were asleep and noticed smoke... Coming into the bedroom, he opened the garage door and the whole place was ablaze. He had a small store of some kind of fertiliser, which exploded and caught fire. Destroyed everything, including two cars. The Jag and the Cadillac were unrecognisable. When the firemen arrived to put it out, they began to spray with water. Uh, the oil tank was just outside his next-door neighbour's house. To stop that overheating and exploding, we were happy to allow them to live in our place while that was being put right. And the insurance company paid full damage costs within three weeks of the fire. Annie and I can quite understand the situation in Waco. A stored fertiliser is extremely dangerous. Yes, I, I agree. I agree. Highly. I mean, the, the factory appears to be... Well, it is. It's outside of Waco, so it's not within striking distance. But it's absolutely huge, this factory. It's absolutely huge. But you're quite right. It is highly volatile and highly dangerous. I don't use any fertilisers at home. I don't, th- I, mean, I don't think tomato feed is going to count as anything exciting like that. But the people who use fertilisers on their garden nowadays. And bear in mind, in some places, it would be used on an industrial scale. I'm assuming people like farmers would have lots of industrial chemicals out there. Uh, Howard says, I've given you another golden headphone vote. Oh, can you vote more than once? Oh, oh, oh lovely. I don't, want to, I don't want to push that one too much this morning. Let me just tell you the weather very quickly. Uh, some sunny spells, cloudy, scattered, heavy showers this afternoon. Currently nine degrees. It'll climb to... 13. Tonight the showers will die away, dry for a time, cloud will move back in, a few showers by the morning. Tomorrow, a cloudy day, I'm afraid, with scattered showers, but it is the weekend. Some bright or sunny spells developing later in the afternoon. Saturday, fine, after a cold start, and Sunday, dry with sunny spells. Monday, cloudy, with a little rain. That's your weather forecast this morning. 
The news you're waking up to is this huge explosion at Waco in Texas. We've already spoken to a video journalist over there, Mike Miller, who's brought us up to date with it. They've brought in helicopters. They're trying to control the fire at the moment. There have been two explosions. The reports on the ground say 60 to 70 people could have been killed. I'm assuming those were people working actually at the plant. And uh, as many as 100 people uh, could be seriously injured. The fire is still ablaze now. And uh, all the available firefighters, and they're bringing them in from other counties as well. So more details on that on LBC 97.3 in a moment. The news headlines with Dan Whitehead. There are reports that dozens of people have died and more than 100 are injured. Hello. We're going to have a little chat to uh, actress Jane Asher at about a quarter past six this morning. And the reason we'll have a chat to her is because this week they're, they're making people aware of Parkinson's. And the reason they're making people aware of Parkinson's is because, unfortunately, people in this country, we're, we're very judgmental. I'm, I'm as guilty as the next person. If you saw somebody with Parkinson's, in fact, there's a classic story that Jane Asher tells of a lady standing in a chemist, and she looked as though she was drunk. And the people behind her in the queue said, don't go too near her, she's, she's drunk. Luckily, she was able to turn around and say, I've got Parkinson's. Because people don't know. We don't know what the symptoms are. So they're making people aware of Parkinson's in this country. And they have to, they have to go for much-needed funding. And people who have Parkinson's... Some people have had it for 20 years, 25 years. And you can have a good day, or you can have a very bad day. So we'll have a chat to Jane Asher at around about a quarter past six this morning. Only for a little few minutes, because I, I recorded her. I'll be quite honest with you. We recorded Jane for In Conversation for this weekend. But the computer decided to have the mother of all fits for the day and completely wiped the whole second half of the programme. So we sat there and we thought it was retrievable, but it is not, I'm afraid. So we're going to have to just play you two clips uh, from Jane Asher's part of an in-conversation, which would have run this weekend, this Sunday on LBC. But I will be telling you tomorrow who we're running. One of them will be Ardell O'Hanlon. So thrilled to meet Ardell O'Hanlon the other day. I mean, he's, he's such a nice man. I've always been a big fan of Father Ted and things like that, but there's a bit more to him than that. Watch the funeral, says Christine in Purley, with friends. Three of us thought Sarah Ferguson was texting from behind her handbag. She, um, again, the buffoon of all buffoons, made the cardinal sin of sitting there waving at people, waving at people in St Paul's Cathedral, like it was some sort of jolly boys outing or something. I mean, you, you can't quite understand whether or not she's in the real world or she is so balmy mad or has no sense of an occasion. You don't sit there and wave at people. And then at one point she looked like she was gurning. You really can't understand it, can you? 84850, Steve at the LBC.co.uk. John says, we thought Nick Ferrari did a great job covering the funeral yesterday. They would have used you, but they were probably too scared what you might say. I have, I've covered royal weddings. I've never done a funeral, actually. But uh, I see no reason why I couldn't do a funeral. I, could be, I can be reverential at the right moment. Here she comes. There she goes. What are they wearing? You know, nobody knows. And I, I would join in with the singing. I vow to thee, my car. I'd, I'd, be, I'd be there singing. I'm so patriotic. It's embarrassing, I'm afraid. Please say hello to my dad, Colin. He's currently in hospital recovering from heart surgery, says Sue. It'd be nice if you could put a smile as your face. He, he thinks that, uh, that you're a very good presenter. He now listens to you instead of the goon show. Well, there's a thrill. I'm not sure if that's a compliment or a downright insult, I'm afraid. Uh, why was Tony Blair behaving like chief mourner, standing on the steps and shaking people's hand? Uh, publicity. 
I assuming publicity for old tone. He loves a bit of publicity, doesn't he? Uh, Peter Andre, this is your life again tonight on I thought they'd finish that. I had no idea we were still dragging this lame programme out. It just goes on and on and on, I'm afraid. Uh, and Steve, 50,000 texts. Silly lady. I'd have changed my phone number after 50. Yes, I mean, I'd, I agree with you. I, I mean, 50,000 texts does seem excessive. Nearly, was it 300 in one day? I mean, by that time, I mean, you'd be, I'd have given up. I'd just delete everything. The man's an idiot. But he did come from Blackpool, didn't he? I rest my case on that one. And in Banstead, says, thank you for starting my mornings with a laugh. Why? What do you do? <laughs> I just find standing in front of the mirror in the bathroom with no clothes on. Uh, 84850. And uh, this one. See, what do your listeners expect Tony Blair to do? Ignore people. He was a well-liked prime minister who had a long term in power. Thank you, Richard. There you go. Like to do well balance. Oh, if you've just joined us, apart from the fact that all the papers uh, are covering the funeral of Margaret Thatcher, the pallbearers I thought were brilliant. You know, the the you know the strain that they were under and the fact that the eyes of the world were upon them. It's quite a it's a big responsibility. I think they were all Falklands veterans, and uh, the Chelsea pensioners looking fantastic. Everybody really, we do it well. I never found out, though. I tried to find out yesterday. Who was the one person who coordinated it? Who was the one person who said, right, you know, any problems, you come to me. But they were all there in all the office windows, 15 deep, the crowd clapping and cheering. You know, there were a few boos, but frankly, they were overshadowed. They weren't, you know, maybe at the other side of the Watford Gap, but I mean, nobody really cares about that. It was what was taking place on the streets of London that was important. And the other big news, no arrests. I mean, that was the thing that made everybody very happy. I'd have been horrified if there had been arrests because it was, you know, it would have marred the day for a lot of people who wanted to pay their respects at the end of the proceedings, it was a funeral for an 87-year-old person. You forget that. You put your political differences to one side. You forget about it. It's somebody's funeral. They can't hurt you. They can't do anything about you. But turning your back on something, what do you expect her to do? Open the lid and go, well, you're in trouble. Of course not. Competition for today, the great gadget giveaway. I move effortlessly between things on this programme. Uh, yesterday, it was Peter Dolan from Tooting who becomes the star of the day. Well done, Peter. He knew that a chanterelle is a type of mushroom, which was one better than me, I'm afraid. I became the mushroom yesterday. I didn't know. I thought it was a melon. Anyway, got himself a fabulous Toshiba laptop. Today, today, and to have your name read out on the radio so that you can be the star that Peter Dolan is in Tooting. He's so excited now. He's so, he'll probably podcast this bit of the programme, just so we can hear his name again. Today, I'm giving away an Android tablet, which is the Google Nexus 7. This is Google's answer to the iPad. It's had some fantastic reviews. You can check it out on the internet. Have a look at it. It looks exactly the same. It's very smart. It's very now. It's very of the moment. You can watch films, download your music, put your photos on there, surf the internet. You can do everything. It'll probably make you a cup of tea if you ask it nicely enough. It's that good. And you can win it. One lucky person this morning We'll win it. And then tomorrow morning, at this time, I'll be saying, and today's winner is, and it could be your, insert your name here, as they say. So one lucky listener will win the Google Nexus 7 tablet. But you need to know the answer to this question. You might have to rack your brains a little bit. What type of food is mulligatawny? What, I wasn't even sure I could pronounce it. What type of food is mulligatawny? To enter, text the word gadget, G-A-D-G-E-T, followed by your answer. So mulligatawny is... You put that word in, and you send your answer to 84850. 
84850. It's got to reach us by 6.30 this morning. So, what type of food is Mulligatawney? Text the word gadget, then your answer, and send it to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. Text costs pound fifty plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered, but you may still be charged. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. Good luck. Good luck to you. Um, also, in the papers, Metro have got the, the end. They obviously had cameras up in the roof of St Paul's. I know that you can go over the dome, and they obviously had a TV camera up there so you can look straight down. It's, 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 quite, a, it's quite, um, quite a view, let me tell you. I've been up there and climbed the little staircase and stood outside and thought, oh, God, it's ever so high. And so they've got here Baroness Thatcher making her final journey. And again, they, they've obviously all got access to this um, plate of glass in the roof. Tears, tributes, and above all, dignity. And that's it. George Osborne failed to hold back his emotions. It was emotional for a lot of people. For the family, it was emotional. I thought they held themselves together very well. It's not can't be easy going to a funeral, trying to hold yourself together, and then the moment the cameras are off you, then you can let yourself go, and that's what they did when they got to the crematorium when they were down at, at Mortlake. But they've got lots and lots of pictures of the funeral yesterday. And uh, friends and foes... You know, people who like to... But we, we, we forget all about things like that when it comes to the end of somebody's life. We don't think about it. Um, apparently, an effigy of Margaret Thatcher in a coffin was uh, was set on fire in the streets of Goldthorpe in South Yorkshire. And uh, they had Thatcher the Milk Snatcher. I mean, honestly, it was so many years ago now. Talk about bearing a grudge that goes forever. It's ridiculous. But apparently, in uh, Grimethorpe, a handful of people turned out to watch the funeral on TV in a working men's club. Former miner Jim Sellers was dressed in full mining gear, but said he was not there to watch the proceedings. Asked about the cost of the London funeral, he said, I think it's disgusting. We have to pay for our own funerals, so why didn't she pay for hers? She did. I have to explain to people, the family paid for her funeral. The cost of security was born, you know, as per usual. It comes out of the public purse, but the cost of the funeral was paid for by the family. Somebody was, uh, there's a, a woman in the paper today, and uh, it's a pheasant. It's a pheasant who's, uh, she's, somebody was doing a feature in Country Life. Don't ask me why I'm talking about this, because it's utter drivel. But it's a woman who keeps turkeys, and she keeps them as pets. She said she couldn't possibly eat them. She said they're pets, and turkeys are lovely. And this is a woman here who keeps being attacked by a fiend called Phil. Phil is the pheasant. And uh, they can be quite violent, some of these birds. I don't know if you've ever been down to the seaside where you've seen poor kids with their ice cream cones and they're dive-bombed by seagulls who attack them in the same way that you get birds protecting their nest. And it's, um, it is, it's terribly, terribly difficult, terribly, terribly difficult to try and work this out. But this woman who said that she kept turkish said that if you actually stroke a turkey's head, it will go to sleep in your arms. I never actually found... I, I only like them when their little legs are tucked underneath them and there's a bit of sage and onion stuffing and some roast potatoes. <laughs> well, that's a bit cruel, I suppose. Especially if you're vegetarian this morning. But I'm not, as you can imagine. I could just eat turkey, actually. But apparently a good English breakfast, which is what I mentioned earlier on, is the worst thing for you. And apparently, if you eat uh, red meat, white bread, and uh, you have butter, you're going to die young. I mean, is there no fun in life anymore? I mean, you know, they say the Western diet really is a killer. Sugar and fat, the Western diet, does lead to an early grave. Well, I'm doing all right. Hoping to be here the other side of the news this morning. 
Well, you wouldn't count your blessings on that one. It might be a bit touch and go. But we do have the news at six this morning on 97.3. On FM, Steve Allen. They've just brought out a new flavour milkshake. What do you think it is? Marmite. I can't think of anything more disgusting. And I like Marmite. Apparently all the proceeds are going to go to charity. It's at a, a branch of a milkshake company in Braintree in Essex. I'm so sorry, Essex. We have to pillory you again. Imagine a Marmite milkshake. Marmite and milk. I don't think it even goes together, does it? Oh, dear me. Absolutely awful. Um, uh, what else have we got in the paper today? Oh, there's a, a solid gold. Just in case you were thinking of buying me something for, you know, a little present or something. There's a, a solid gold Fabergé-style egg. Worth a million pounds, found in a BMW, pulled over a routine check near the Swiss border. Apparently it was stolen from a Kuwaiti import business in Geneva four years ago. Three Belarusian men have been charged with handling stolen goods. Only goes to prove don't ever drive with anything nicked in your car, because they will find you. They will find you. Um, it's, I tell you what's going on, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to tell you this, but at London Zoo... There is much excitement with their tigers in their new tiger explosion, uh, their new tiger, tiger enclosure, explosion, their new tiger enclosure, because apparently the two tigers have been having relations. Apparently quite a lot of relationships. Well, I mean, not at this time. It's a bit early to be talking about this kind of thing. I realise it's probably upsetting many, many people. But uh, the good news is that, you know, if they keep it going like this, then there might be some sort of recompense. We might even hear the little pit-pat of little tiny tiger-cub feet. That'd be quite nice, wouldn't it? I quite fancy the idea. I've been to have a look at the new enclosure, and it's lovely, and it's nice to say... Honestly, even when they tell you these things are small, they're not blooming big to me. They look dangerous, and because it's glass, sometimes, if you're lucky... They, uh, the keepers put a little bit of meat near where the people are standing, and these things, are ju- they're practically next to you. Well, they are next to you. They're just separated by a piece of glass. I'm not sure whether they, they just totally ignore the people standing there. It's like if you go and see the gorillas at London Zoo. They're, they're, the gorillas just sort of everything, apart from scratch their bottom and do everything else in front of you. They, they seem to be blissfully unaware, blissfully un- uh, unaware of the, of the general public. Tesco have pulled out of America. They've been a big flop over there, £1.2 billion. Mind you, Cheryl Cole was a big flop in America as well, wasn't she? I mean, I, b- I believe she's going back. But uh, I don't think it's the uh, the best thing for her. I suppose, really, there's nothing for her to do in this country. They've, they've done the miming... Sorry, the, the tour of, of Girls Aloud, where they all fell out. Nobody spoke to each other. And uh, now she's gone back to America with her little dancer, Trey, who can't be supporting her, so she must be paying for him as well. Gay rights activists sang yesterday's New Zealand has become the 13th country to legalise same-sex marriage. They broke into a Maori love song as politicians voted to allow gay weddings. Oh, blimey, it's taken long enough, hasn't it? What do you think, gay weddings now? I I mentioned to Jane Asher. She has a a website, you know, she makes cakes. I think it's just called janeasher.com. And she's got cakes on there, and it's actually quite interesting because they've got same-sex marriage cakes. You could have same-sex marriage cakes. We'll be talking to Jane Asher in about five or six minutes' time. Uh, we would have been running her for In Conversation this weekend, but because of, of a computer glitch, which unfortunately wiped so much material, uh, we've lost it. And so we've managed to retrieve the only two bits that we managed to retrieve are from the first part of the conversation. So I'll play you uh, some this morning and some tomorrow. This is talking about Parkinson's, of which is uh, a charity very dear to her. And she knows all about it. And she's trying to make people more aware and, and, and make people as well look at... Before you judge somebody... 
and you start saying, oh, they're drunk or they're this and that, they might have Parkinson's. You don't know. And so she's going to try and make you more aware of it. So we'll have a chat to Jane Asher in about five minutes' time. If you're 25, do you need Botox? The answer is, don't be so ridiculous. Of course you don't. The trouble is, people age differently. People age at different times. I mean, I'm lucky. I don't seem to age. (laughs) I found a photo of me the other day. I didn't even know it was me. I looked at this photo and think, that's an attractive person. It's me. It's unbelievable. It is me. Uh, Margaret Thatcher, in all the, uh, the papers, she always loved and cherished the armed forces, and they were out for her. The Queen, I don't know where the, where the Queen gets her energy from. I really don't. And, uh, and Prince Philip as well. The Queen breaking tradition to honour her Prime Minister of 11 years. Uh, in fact, I think the Queen has only ever been to one Prime Minister's funeral, and that was Winston Churchill. Can't see her going to Tony Blair or Cameron or anybody like that. But she went to Margaret Thatcher. But there again, she went to Margaret Thatcher's birthday party, as I pointed out earlier. Nice to see a row of uh, people there with uh, John Major, Tony Blair, uh, Bernard Ingham was there, and Sarah Ferguson, early arrival, so she could wave and cooey to everybody. I can't believe it, honestly. It's a funeral, for God's sake. Shirley Bassey looking absolutely amazing. And uh, being a good speaker, that's what they've said as uh, Amanda Thatcher. She said it runs in the family. She's quite right. Granny was a very good speaker. Carol uh, pictured here, arriving at Mortlake Crematorium. And the armed forces. It was the crowds outside. It was the crowds outside who were just clapping and cheering and just, just sort of... Just being there. I mean, it always seems a bit impolite, doesn't it, to clap at a funeral. I've always wanted to. You know, because it's the end, and especially at a, at, a, at a cremation, you do want to actually do something. I wanted to, when I went to my mum, I felt at the end just giving her a clap and just going, but you did all right, you did all right. But you don't, at a humanist funeral, they do actually talk to the coffin, they do address the coffin, they go and stand by it. And whoever is conducting, I was going to say the, the vicar or the people, but it isn't, it's just a, an ordinary person who reads the, uh, the, there's no mention of religion or anything like that, we're not, not going to talk about God or something like that, but they just address the person and thank them for what they, they've contributed to the life. But I was thinking the other day, it's the second time I've thought about it now, I'm getting slightly worried by this, in the fact that if you're on television and radio, effectively you don't die, do you? Because people can still listen to recordings. So in a hundred years' time, there will still be recordings of this programme. Lord knows how radio would have changed in a hundred years, but it's, it's worth thinking about that you can do all these things and then you get you know, people on television. So you can watch programmes on television now where the person died ages ago. You know, you watch Heidi High or you watch Are You Being Served? You think, oh, there's not many of them left. There's not Dad's Army, there's hardly anybody left. I think in Dad's Army, might be one or two. The rest of them passed away a long time ago. They've got lots of coverage uh, in the papers today of the TV footage of what they think is the second bomb that went off at the Boston Marathon. And you can see the tree. You can see the package there. You can see the bomb exploding in a slightly blurred picture. And you can see um, that it was quite clearly this device. It wasn't in the, the waste bin next to it, because that's still intact. But... To the left-hand side, there is this suspect package, and nobody noticed it. There were people leaning over it, people leaning over it, and nobody noticed that this could be the suspect package. And it must be, because that's the only thing that's blown up. And so they do ask the question, is this the second bomb? Because in the light of Waco as well, uh, they now say, and this is local TV in Texas reporting, a number of dead. They've said it could be up to 70 
with more than 100 people injured in this fertiliser plant. Now, as you know, fertiliser, and you've heard as well from a number of people, is highly explosive. You're dealing with some really, really dangerous chemicals. So there are abrasions, there are burns, there will be disfigurements. Uh, it's, it's really, really bad over there at the moment. I don't think they've had anything as bad. But it comes almost 20 years to the day... When they had more trouble down in Waco, when Waco was in the news. Now, I'll look at that uh, very, very shortly. They've got all the volunteer firefighters out. They actually attended the fire because they had a warning 30 minutes before the explosion. They get out there and then there's an explosion and then there's another explosion. And uh, what, what they're doing now, they're just trying to sort everything out. But they haven't brought the fire under control at the moment. They're having to sort out all the injured, those who can walk and get themselves to hospital. They've got a fleet of ambulances there. The fire is still burning. And uh, people are having their say. All the film crews are down there. It's, uh, it's a huge news story in America, coming just literally a couple of days after the explosions in Boston. Uh, this one, we don't know how it occurred. We're not too sure. We just know that there's another tank which is on fire and could explode at any time now. So they've got to evacuate the area. That's the very latest from Waco in Texas. 14 minutes past six. LBC 97.3. Steve Allen. Morning. 6.20 is the time. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. It's LBC 97.3. Gadget giveaway coming up in a moment. Further details on... Uh, the explosion at Waco in Texas. The police over there are now saying there are several confirmed fatalities with hundreds of people injured. They're estimating between 50 and 70 people could have been killed. Details on that coming up in the news with Susan Bookbinder at half past this morning. Nick and the team just after news at seven will be looking at that. And also the aftermath of Baroness Thatcher's funeral and Diane Abbott has called the funeral a waste of money in a party political, party political event. It's a shame, really, actually, because there were a number of Labour MPs, including former Prime Ministers, who were sitting in there, but Diane Abbott chooses to try and garner her own little bit of publicity. Doesn't make her a better person, I'm afraid. It just shows that, uh, that she'll do anything to garner some headlines in the newspaper. Nick will be asking uh, whether or not she's made the right decision after the news at 7 o'clock. Now, Jane Asher came in uh, the other day. This is the campaign which is being run by Parkinson's to make people more aware uh, of exactly what the illness is, how it affects people. And, and I think, really, they're bringing, as she told me, bringing Parkinson's very much to the forefront of the public's perception. We've made people change their perceptions a little bit. Mm. Far too many people still tend to think that Parkinson's is, for one thing, something that only affects very elderly people and that it's perhaps just a bit of a tremor, nothing more serious than that and slightly inevitable as you get older. And, of course, it isn't. It's far, far more than that. Parkinson's affects the way you move drastically or can do and some people with Parkinson's will find themselves in wheelchairs it's degenerative so it doesn't get better there's no cure there's no cure and it can also affect you in different ways it can affect your brain in that it can make people very depressed and not just through having Parkinson's but as a physical effect of the disease it can affect all sorts of ways that you can perhaps be free in your movement for one minute and then freeze up another minute, which is a very complex thing. And also it can cause pain, which is something I don't think many people realise. And equally, it isn't just old people. Many people under 40 are diagnosed every year with Parkinson's. So I think there's a lot that we've had wrong for many years. And I hope this week we've managed to change that a little bit. And do we all have it? Do we all have it in us? I mean, where, where does it come from? No, I mean, we all have the part of the brain that is affected. It's the part of the brain that produces 
releases dopamine, which is what controls movement and other things. And we don't quite know why people get it. There is a small genetic link, uh, but very, very minimal. So people shouldn't worry if they have a family member. It doesn't mean you're going to get it. It's partly genetic, partly environmental. We don't really know yet, but we find out more all the time. And um, one thing we have been concentrating on this week is a survey that we did before the week began on people's attitudes and, and how people with the disease experience their li everyday lives. And we were absolutely amazed to find out how much prejudice and how much bad treatment people got with the disease. Because, for instance, somebody might be... Well, we had one particular lady who was standing in a queue in a pharmacy, ironically enough, and she's, I think, 41, something like that, and was staggering, and her movement is very difficult, and she's had Parkinson's for some years, and she heard distinctly the people behind her in the queue saying, oh, don't get too near to that woman. She's obviously been drinking. I mean, that, that's so hurtful. You know, when you're in pain, got a terrible disease, and mm. these awful drugs, and to hear that as well, and that was just the tip of the iceberg. We, we heard so many heartbreaking stories of the way that people were treated who just couldn't help it, who have this disease. Mm. So if, if nothing else, this this past week, because we don't, we're rubbish at talking about things in this country. I've lost track of the amount of times I've talked to people, you know, about everything from bowel cancer onwards, mm. and people say, oh, we don't talk about that. Yes, I know. You we go, are Listen, if we, if we don't mm. talk about it, we're never going to get anywhere with it. Well, and of course. You're right, we don't know. If I saw somebody with Parkinson's in front of me, I might not be aware of what it is. Well, no, hopefully. You see, after this week, mm. you will at least... I'm, it, I'm better educated. Your yeah, you'll yes. think, oh, hang on a minute, I better not assume that that person's been difficult or annoyingly slow yeah. in the supermarket queue or whatever it is, they may have a problem. And, of course, this applies, as we know, to so many disabilities, yes. so many conditions. If we could only just go around with a little bit more tolerance and yes. potential understanding in our hearts, yeah. it would make the lives of those who are really battling against insuperable odds, it would make their lives so much easier. So I hope this week we just made people stop and think, Imagine what it must be like to yeah. Parkinson's. I should just bear that in mind rather than immediately assuming this person's being difficult. Actress Jane Asher on Parkinson's now trying to make uh, you and me as well a little bit uh, more aware of people with the illness. Anyway, what have we got now? We've got 6.25. Susan Bookbinder's with you just after news at 6.30 this morning. You've got five minutes left to get your entries in for the gadget giveaway. Peter Dolan was our star of yesterday. He won uh, in tooting the fabulous Toshiba laptop. Today, it's your opportunity to get your hands on the Android tablet, the Google Nexus 7. This is Google's answer to the iPad. It does all the same things. It sings, it dances, you store music, you can surf the net. You can do everything with it. It's had some amazing reviews, and you can only get your hands on it on Steve Allen's early breakfast this morning. Uh, the trouble is you need to know the answer to this question, and you need to get the answer in by 6.30. The question this morning is, what type of food is mulligatawny? To enter, you text the word gadget, G-A-D-G-E-T, followed by your answer. So mulligatawny is... Mm. OK, so text the word gadget, then your answer, and then send that to 84850. Text costs £1.50, plus your standard ne network rate. If you text after the closing time, which is 6.30, you won't be entered, but you may still be charged. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. Good luck. You've literally, about three or four minutes, you've got to get those uh, entries in as quickly as possible. And then tomorrow, 
I shall hopefully be reading your name out on the programme, and you'll be tomorrow's star of the programme, and you'll be the lucky recipient of that Google Nexus 7 tablet. My friend Peter's getting the car washed now, so I shall be collecting the car later on today. Actually, looking outside the window, it actually looks like a, a very, very pleasant day. There's certainly uh, enough news stories to keep everybody happy going on today. And there's all the coverage in the papers today of the of the funeral yesterday of Margaret Thatcher, 1925 to 2013. Funnily enough, they don't cover any of the, apart from one of the uh, the papers, covering any of the, the adverse publicity, the people who didn't like Margaret Thatcher. But the rest of it is all very positive. The British public turned out in force. In fact, even, I think, exceeding everybody's expectations. The good news is no arrests. And for that, we should be eternally grateful. If only, if only we could do, uh, we could do that every day. James Toastland... Is, uh, is married to Katie Melua. Is that the motorcycle man? He's married to Katie... Oh, right. I don't know anybody who's married to Katie Melua. What are, is Katie Melua... Which one's she? She's, she's a singer, isn't she? Oh, she's the one with nine million bicycles in Beijing. Oh, she's married him. Oh, right. Well, there you go, then. So he's... She's a very good... Pi- oh, I know. Oh, he's a good pianist as well. He's a motorcyclist. And he, who plays the piano? Well, how does that happen? It's ridiculous. What, do you mean he can ride a motorcycle and he can play the keyboard? I mean, it's just not possible. People who multitask in this day and age, honestly, it makes me look as I'm not even trying, I'm afraid. Let's just uh, wrap up very quickly. I'll tell you quickly the uh, front pages of the papers uh, in a moment. Apparently, Angels is out on uh, DVD, which is good news. I quite liked Angels, actually. And uh, Tony and Ealing is in Phuket which is lovely this morning. The weather's a little... Actually, our, our weather is, is not at all bad. Not at all bad. Daily Star, goodbye, Granny. Granddaughter Amanda leading a dignified farewell to the Iron Lady. That's roughly the same on most of the papers this morning. The Sun, they appear to have two coverages of the Sun. They've got the uh, exclusive Maddie, Maggie bodyguard at cremation. As the curtains closed, Carol wept. I wept. It was the hardest goodbye. Metro have got the end for Margaret Thatcher. And the mirror, the same. Goodbye, Mummy. On the front of the Daily Mail, big picture of Carol Thatcher and the Express, a picture of the gun carriage and, uh, and the escort. That's it for this morning. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Sadly, there is no free podcast for today. The Gremlins have, have hit the programme, I'm afraid. So there's no free podcast, but I'll, I'll make sure you get a bit of extra tomorrow, if you know what I mean. OK? Coming up after the news at seven, Nick and the team next on LBC 97.3. The Morning News with Susan Bookbinder. LBC 97.